This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And this is Blake Begin Again Simmons. And you know, never more than now, with all the time in the world, it's time to... Release the... Kraken! Blake Simmons. Hey, so, Tom. How are you? Uh, uh, events have conspired to put us in <laughs> to put in seated position with electronics around us to make it fairly easy to actually do this podcast, even though it's really hard to to actually plan it around kids and stuff. But you know, we're we're home. We're not traveling. Yeah, we're, there's no there's no globe trotting anymore. <laughs> oh boy. Who ever thought we would have a, a march that was 765 days long, huh? Yes. Well, you know, we always talk about these post-apocalyptic sci-fi thrillers, and now we may be living through jackpot. So there you go. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. The only thing that's unusual, more more unusual, I guess, uh, and it was un- somewhat unexpected, is that, you know, the Fury Road deal where the the guitar maestro is strapped to the front of the truck and is bl- blasting music going up and down. <laughs> I, I think that's happening out on the street in front of my house because I can routinely hear really loud, bad music. And it's all essential travel, right? So that can't be no, I, just a jacket. I did, that. I did that in my backyard yeah. last night. So, you know, it's just it's just a thing. Are you guys... you for... Yeah, what? what? No, I was saying I was out playing my guitar, flaming <laughs> on fire in the front of a truck. It was <laughs> you. you for correcting yeah, thank you for correcting my mistake. I said Thunder Road. I meant Fury Road. There oh, I go. knew what you meant. Uh, it's because of all that silver paint I see on your face. Uh... <laughs> Huffing. It's a yes. state of mind. Yes, right. So um, do you guys have any howling or anything like that going on in your neighborhood? It's really quiet. There's okay. uh, not a lot going on at all. So uh, being in the um, entitled hippie epicenter of Northern California... We've got this fun little thing going on where at 8 p.m. everybody howls at the moon and you hear this deep stereo of everyone in the neighborhood and you hear it up in the, up the hillside and, and you know, the kids run out and start doing it. And it's just this long, sustained 10 minutes of people howling in some sort of communal solidarity. It drives my cats crazy. Well, and <laughs> it's kind of weird. It sounds, well, I mean, it sounds asinine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's super awesome. I mean, it's it's not even as it, it's not as good as what I saw. I can't remember if it's Italy or Spain where right. they had some guy go out in the courtyard of a massive apartment complex, and then everybody was doing yoga and calisthenics oh, yeah. in their balconies, looking down in the courtyard. Yeah, howling well, at the moon. That is that is that like supposed to be tapping into primal scream therapy or just the you know, There's all that sort of, and it, you know, uh, yeah, spiritual animal. Or, New or, just, here. or just, you know, living up to Dennis Leary's favorite song. Uh, I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, we said we had that one video from Italy, right? Where there was one guy playing music on this balcony and then someone else chimed in and someone else chimed in and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, that that all did you has to the... be staged. That all has to be staged. Oh, That's of like course. Some... Yeah. Oh, of course. But did you see the New York version of that? One guy no. started singing <laughs> on his deck and then you hear this, shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, beer bottle comes in from stage left. Like, <laughs> my my favorite one of all of this was uh, Patton Oswalt. You know, on his uh, mm-hmm. in, on his Twitter, he he tried to do this. He well, it, you know, obviously it was it was staged, but he he tried to do his own version with stand up. So he was out there with a megaphone, and, and they're filming him from the side, and he's out on his balcony, and he's doing all of that. You know the 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 you know pick pick on the audience style. Mm-hmm. the the lowest brow of stand-up right so he was trying yep. to do that with people out in the street like you know there's a couple walking their dog that's like you know half blocked down and he was like hey yeah uh nice shoes is it you know not bad for 2011 and whatever and then you know they're just kind of staring at him blankly and they keep going and it's hilarious because obviously um it's not italy but yeah. uh, also i'm, I'm gonna go know. check that out i mean the, the the latest thing i've seen that was a social outrage was jack black Doing his oh, right. bearded <laughs> challenge and things. That's the, the only thing I've seen. <laughs> well, if you haven't figured it out by now, based on the context in which you're listening to this, if you're listening to it near the time we release it, uh, yeah, we're recording during the COVID-19 shelter in place. Uh, Think of it. Pa- yeah. Pa- of it. Pan- pandemic health, you know, <laughs> hell pit of uh, California right now. And, and of course, you know, everyone in the world is struggling with this, but we're not going to dwell because we're here to have... Uh, lighthearted fun and no existential dread. Um, interestingly, though, the, yeah, talking about the end of the world instead of living it. That's right. And interestingly enough, depending on how things go, this recording may never be heard again. Yeah, or true. it could be an amusing anecdote, right? A little bon mot to remember as soon as things return to some semblance of normalcy, and everybody just abandons hand washing and says, "Well, I'm glad that's over with." Yeah, <laughs> now we can go back to you know eating off the street. Go making out at Chuck E. Cheese again like they were before. Nobody does that. Yeah. So do you? So in a in the <laughs> some do. No. So do you? Um, thinking about our first and favorite segment, uh, the sucking the monkey segment. I'm curious if you have a delicious beverage to share with us today. I do, and I'm uh, drinking it from the Crew of Tux Parade ah, in 2018. Nolan Cup. Yep. And it was a. Uh, I'm drinking unruly rosé. <laughs> okay. Delivered by Instacart from Bevmo yes. on our first uh, sequestered booze run. We use Instacart for the uh, for the first time this past week and a half. It took a while to get the to get a window here. Right, it took about so three days to get a window. Yeah, see, it's interesting uh, to get groceries from Instacart. Yeah, it, it normally takes two days. Uh, but for some reason, Bevmo, it's usually the same day delivery. So there's lots of slots open for Bevmo, everyone. But you know what's interesting about that? When I tried, um, Bevmo was the one that was holding it up. But I was eventually able, once I unhooked Bevmo, the grocery side, eventually I got something. But I went and picked up at Beverages More because critical, sen- critical essentials are very important. <laughs> yes. We were, we were in Tahoe. Not essential, we, no, not, not essential criticals, critical essentials. Critical essentials. When we You're came in back. Tahoe? I, we were in Tahoe, and when we came back, it was we didn't have supplies or anything because we were there during the first shelter-in-place orders, and everybody did their runs on the grocery stores. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we came back and didn't have a lot of that. And the number one on my priority list, of course, you know, critical importance was the bourbon, right? And so yeah, no, you, once we got you that, you can start. Yeah, so what are you drinking? Sucking well, the monkey. Uh, uh, so I'm having a, a delicious Templeton rye with uh, some... Uh, local organic lemonade. So I'm having a bit of a Kentucky lemonade tonight. Lynchburg lemonade. Yes. It's delicious. Mm. So, um, 
there's been some events. There's been some events in the entertainment world. It's like the sucking of multiple black holes. <laughs> but things have been happening. <laughs> yeah. Talk about, uh, I'm just, uh, I wonder if the, uh, who was it? The Disney CEO that stepped down right before Iger. this all happened. Iger. I wonder if he's like a prophet. Because <laughs> <laughs> he cashed out at the right time, got that golden parachute, and Disney's filling the polar vortex uh, every which way you can cut it right now. Gosh, it's really interesting to imagine how the entertainment industry will deal with this. How comics? Outside of, out, out, well, comics are screwed. But outside of wartime, domestic wartime, we've had nothing like this, where it's absolutely zero, you know, zero theaters open. All those projects are delayed. And, you know, they just got to ride it out. But the question in my mind is how, how the longer this goes that we're sequestered and the longer that more and more states mm -hmm. do it. Because we're on the forefront of this, right, in California. And we're one of the first states to do this. But, well, par parts of our state anyway, right? Um, yeah. The longer this goes, the more um, the cultural shift happens, the more people's behavior changes. Uh, and the, depending on the severity of this first of multiple waves of this virus, it'll be interesting to see if people's attitudes about congregating in place, even when it seems like you got that false the false flag, it's going to be okay. You can go out again. I wonder. I wonder if it's going to affect the way people act, or are they just going to dive right back into the same routines as they had before? Yeah, yeah, and only time will tell. That's the yeah. the interesting thing, right? Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's easy to, it's easy to imagine seeing this. Yeah. And it's easy to imagine looking at this as a historical moment, right? In the future, I mean, we've been talking about that for approximately three point six years, but yeah. uh, it's but one it, thing it, after it, another. But I mean, and and will this finally be the thing that breaks the camel back, or the thing that just makes it invulnerable? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, right? I don't know, but because I but, just. But what I well, find no, interesting is, <clears throat> go ahead, you go ahead. No, I just we've thought that Scrotus was toast, right? And uh, yeah. at, at several points over the past three point seven one years, yeah. that um, and and it and it doesn't. So who knows? Well, to be cynical, the only thing that could possibly affect his reelection is money stuff, right? It's if the people that have been supporting him, the people who have been supporting that, um, not 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 just Republicans, but the specific yeah. group of fat cats that have that have been so enabled by this presidency and what what Congress has been doing, it's all about making money. And when yeah. the economy is absolutely destroyed. And, you know, now, so, so caring about what, what's happening to the population is, is me, is nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with it. Leadership or lack of it doesn't have anything to do with it. But the, the, the house of cards will fall if no one can make money anymore off of yeah. him and what he's doing. So, yeah. but, okay. But what I'm saying, what I'm ta thinking about is that we are, you and I are a microcosm of a segment of the movie going population that's very small in the United States. We are in an area where we have the freedom to go to the movies as much you know, economically. We have the freedom to go to the movies whenever we want to. It's schedule that permits or doesn't permit it, not money, right? We have lots of movie theaters available to us. We have independent theaters and big theaters. Um, 
And on top of that, we have a diversity in terms of the kinds of movies we could see in the theater, not just at home, as well as everything we have available to us at home. But we have like yeah. the kids, take the kids to movies, movies that we might see with our spouses, movies that you and I might see. And then on top of that, the second level of the of that microcosm is that you and I are at the point where all we want to do is go to the Alamo, right? It's like we're yes. going to go to one specific type of viewing experience, which is sit in a low-density theater and have all of the cocktails and the food brought to you. It's a whole other world. And it's a it's, wonderful it's, thing. It's refined and distinguished. And you can see, you can imagine, I mean, I don't know, Alamo's been doing a lot of things to try to keep themselves afloat, but you can imagine that that sort of niche movie house in some form or another could survive. But thinking about the bigger picture of all the multiplexes and the kinds of movies that the mainstream audiences go to and the, and the surges of people that they need to keep those things going, the entire, uh, you know, Hollywood economy is based on a churn that we're way out of. Yeah, well, and it could be that uh, the movies get released from Hollywood and it goes straight to your screen. Maybe there are no theaters. Well, right? you know, it's and, interesting. Yeah. They've been, th- I mean, they've been flirting with that. And there was always this, this pushback from, you know, I don't know if it's a lot, if it's really a lobby, but there's been this pushback from all the theater owners and the complex, that whole infrastructure about the idea of releasing new movies direct to, to video, even when they were priced high at like 30 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. which we would do right i mean it's what's the difference right i'd pay more yeah. for the movie today at home i don't care but you could see why they would be so resistant to that this could change this could be the moment where because birds of prey now came out to home video like whatever two weeks after it was in the and the, and the invisible man like the, yeah. during yeah. like this the second week yeah and so far all of the big movies well pretty much all of the movies that were on deck to be coming out in these next few months have all been indefinitely delayed so rather than commit to a release like that onward disney disney's putting onward in actually just came out in pay-per-view and it's going to go on disney plus in a couple weeks that's astonishing that's absolutely astonishing so yeah because you (laughs) who would have thunk it (laughs) right i mean bloodshot bloodshot went straight to where it belonged which is straight to video um but yeah, and and his current yeah, but Bloodshot is beating uh, Birds of Prey in home sales, which is depressing a lot of people who should know I'm, better. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> well, so a lot of movies that we were excited about and had been talking about were right on the cusp of coming out. Of course, they're indefinitely de- delayed. But what I find amusing is that the news articles about it because it's slow news day constantly, right? So it's nothing but pandemic terror and blames, and then these little bits of news that are bone obvious, right? So, yes. Oh, this other, this next, this movie is being black widow has been delayed. No shit. You know, like, what, of course <laughs> the it, only, will be, it will be, yeah. it will be interesting to see what the cascade of that is though. Right. Sure. It yeah. will be. Yeah. Well, and so what I'm setting the stage for is mm. the elephant in the room. That is the opposite of that, which is that San Diego comic-con even today released something saying yeah we're we understand everybody's worried we're everyone just hang in there we think it's going to be okay which is just amazing this is the only major this is one of the biggest if not the biggest comic convention in the world but it's the only one that hasn't just pulled up stakes how can when is that supposed to go down july oh no come on people 
no, I mean, of course it's not going to happen, but it's astonishing to me that they're saying that they're still happening. So they also run WonderCon, which is the one I do in March. Uh, well, actually, it's supposed to be beginning of April, uh, this coming weekend, actually, <laughs> originally, um, down in L.A., and that was eventually uh, canceled about a month ago. But all of the comic conventions were canceling, and this was before the severity of the shelter at home and the reality was, was setting in that people were going to just be in their houses. It was just, mm -hmm. at that point, it was more about just, how about these large venues with thousands of people need to stop happening, right? And yeah. so folks folks like our friend Chris, you know, are are absolutely financially devastated by this. But it's astonishing to me that the entirety of the comic convention world and all conventions have finally thrown in the towel and, and admitted it's not going to happen. Disneyland is indefinitely closed for the first time in its history. Everything is done. And then randomly San Diego Comic-Con releases, even though they canceled their own WonderCon. They, they released this... Hang in there. I'm sure it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, it, what a marketing fail. Like, who do they, how did they think that was going to work? Because the reaction to it has been, it's beyond tone deaf, right? Yeah. It's almost like, was that a bad April Fool's post? But it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, that really, I, I mean, it's beyond tone deaf. Is it, so, is it just that they have so much to lose that they can't? No, but it's just weird. But they know it's so they know it's not going to happen. But so here's the thing: a lot of the big shows, well, a lot of the shows. Period. But the problem is when they admit to canceling. So in the contract, you're you're not guaranteed anything. So, for example, as an exhibitor or as an artist alley partic participant, on the back end of it, we're not guaranteed that the show's going to happen. Uh, people who buy tickets, depending on who runs the convention, sometimes they're protected and sometimes they're not. Um. So, like, for example, when uh, Walker Stalker collapsed last year, yeah. they did slowly start refunding customer tickets, slowly. But it was a long time before they even started refunding vendor tickets, vendor vendor costs. And even then, it was only because of the sort of the groundswell of people that were absolutely demanding it. And for the most part, they were just stalling. People like me, who had paid on credit card, we just sicked the credit card company on them and eventually got the credit card Something. company to cover us, but yeah, yeah. Um, folks who paid cash now. So like Chris, he pays cash for most of his events and he uses the funds from one event to help fund the infrastructure that, you know, the hard costs of producing his, his equipment or his, his stuff. And then to pay for the next several shows in his list. And if he's doing 25 or 30 shows a year. And so the first four or five big shows, he had all the stuff lined up and he's not here with us tonight, but he had all this stuff lined up for the first half of this year, which was supposed to be a snowball that continued the forward momentum. His his hot times and, and cold times during the year in terms of the shows, right? And so mm -hmm. all of these big shows fell apart, and they're not refunding the money. So everything he's invested in the shows is stuck, and he can't get it out. And he can't have shows to bring in revenue to help pay for the other shows that are farther out. And the other thing that some of them are doing is they're... Uh, just saying they're postponing. So like yeah. uh, Emerald City in Seattle did that. They said, we're going to just, you know, it's still happening. We're just going to bump it. And a few others did this too. And by doing that, they don't have to deal with anybody's money. Yeah. So they're just selling the inevitable. And maybe they have an insurance kicker that gives them a special. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's yeah, interesting to think, I mean, some, some in, subsequently, 
we've seen that major portions of our economy, not just the the big stuff with the stock market and some of the big companies, but just in terms of like, if you see the way um, sort of blue collar economy works in Northern California, we've seen the effects of the shelter at home. We see it, the dock workers who can't work because the ships aren't in anymore and the hospitality workers and the service workers. And there's so many segments of the economy that have collapsed because of this, that it makes talking about whether artists who are planning on these conventions uh, making their money or not, it's now they're part of a large, they're small voices in a large sea of people who are having these problems. But early on, this was the story, at least among my circle of, you know, artist friends, this was the urgency because we yeah. didn't have, you know, everybody stay at home and, you know, the, the world comes to a stop. At this point it was, oh, the big gatherings are shut down. And so everybody who yeah. has small press was screwed. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see how that t- that comes back around. I feel like conventions will fire back up again once, you know, w- whenever what, that what, is. But what, but what if social distancing still carries forward and, you know, yeah. seeing everybody in masks uh, without yeah. cosplay, right? So they're just wearing masks. The, yeah. um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting where we end up. Well, you know, it's... I don't mean not to be too cynical about it, but you know, there's we all, you always hear us talking about con crud and how you go to the shows and you come, you're always going to get sick because of how many people, how many people in a packed room and how much contact you have with people and how hard it is as a vendor to get through a show without getting sick, let alone being a participant. Um, mm-hmm. If everybody's walking around a convention in masks and keep it a little distance and, and they had to restructure things to account for that reality, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Suddenly the fun would be gone for some people, but, you know. Healthier for everyone. <laughs> Good thing that we're keeping this uh, podcast light and fun so that we don't have to think about the existential <laughs> dread around us. Enjoy your rebate checks, everyone. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell me how that goes. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of it like, is there any like any good entertainment news lately that we could talk about? Or is it just all... Well, that, that bloodshot went directly to video, and not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that had done well, that would have been uh, that that would have Oof. been one of the the bells tolling for us all, right? Yeah. The, the holy crap! I don't know. Good entertainment news. Um, Jack Black danced shirtless for a bit. That was pretty cool. That's right. That's right. You can always count on him to do something. How about it this? is interesting. It is interesting to see how late night TV shows have morphed into these right. back room couches of your dirty uncle. That's that, right. Uh... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cha- you know, completely changing the context of how, and also without the laugh tracks and without all the the yeah. fans of the audience, it sounds totally different. Yeah. So the Carrie Ann and I were watching John Stewart the other yeah. night and it's, a, it's just this white screen and nothing and no audience. And it's a completely different experience. And I'm not sure I like it as much with that. Well, sure. That, that experience. Right. I, you know, I tend to be a, someone who would prefer no laugh track if I could, I like uncomfortable comedy and I don't like, I don't need the trigger as you are the same way, but I will say that there are certain styles of comedy and there's certain styles of late night entertainment delivery that are strange without that feedback. Yes. Even if it's fake feedback and even if you as a as a as a viewer can tune it out. Like I watch mm-hmm. John Oliver religiously and I don't 
give a shit whether the audience is laughing or not. But his cadence, and uh, you know, it has Seth, a different. Seth, it has a different feel. It's a different right. experience, right? Yeah. Seth, Seth Meyers is the same way. He, when he does his closer looks, his pacing is based on hitting with certain little punches and having a little graphic, and there's little pauses for people to laugh and keep going. And with both of them uh, delivering their content in an absence of that uh, environment, it, it starts to veer towards the ranter on AM radio. Like it's really kind of creepy. Yes, they slip it, over it, to the Jeff yeah. Beck side of things. Jeff Beck, is that the guy? Jeff Beck? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, right? At least they don't slip into Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could say that no one wants to slip into Rush Limbaugh. No. And and gentlemen, that that fade to black that uh, third rail Tom uh, did was so he could get another frosty beverage to replenish <laughs> the supplies to continue on. This is a this is a crushed strawberry sour. Ugh. Listen, it's, it's not it's not it my looks personal apocalyptic. Best. It probably tastes apocalyptic. It <laughs> Listen, it's not my personal best. But here's the thing: I love a sour and an agosa, and they're so hard to come by here. And when yeah. I when I see something on the shelf, uh, I just get it. it doesn't matter. Right, so these are a little bit too fruity, and they're very sour. But I don't care because you know what? I, you have to hydrate. It's really important for your health. Top of the world, mom. Okay, I have a few items we can talk about. So one is uh, it's a Star Wars thing. Um, are you so? Are you watching the new season of Clone Wars? No, sorry. Have you watched Dude, the I, other I, ones? No. Okay, I haven't watched any of the Clone Wars yet. No, so I'm the no. only guy here that is always, is always ranting about you have to see this. Clone Wars. Yeah, both yeah. of you guys. So both of you against me. I thought it was just Chris that was no, whining dude, about I, me talking about that. So much. I don't. I don't have any time to do that. Like I, the free well, month. The, no, the free month of CBS All Access. Right, I, Picard is on. I like. Oh, I can. I can binge watch and catch up on that. I've seen like yeah. one episode in four nights. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay, well, so, but you understand that Clone Wars as a cartoon. Yes, was I know what was, it is, and I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it on occasion. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was it was it flushed out that period of that period of their continuity in a way that the movies bare, didn't even touch. It was very powerful for a lot of people for what it was, and then it abruptly stopped because Disney yeah. bought Lucas, and then then they ramped up and started Rebels, which was different era, different different story. But we're currently being treated to the sort of lost final season of Clone Wars, which is abandoned or half-completed material that was in play when the sale happened, mm-hmm. some of which has been released in other mediums since then. But anyway, they put it together with a more sophisticated uh, animation, more sophisticated version of the same animation style. And so they released this final season, which is great. And it's on Disney+. Plus. And a fan favorite character, Ahsoka Tano, who's was was Anakin's uh, um, Padawan, right? She's the mm-hmm. she's the um, Targutan, 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 right? With you know the that has those big things that come down the front. You know what I mean? She's got the weird yeah. little spikes on the head and the long things down. Very popular. Character. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. the one, yeah, the, she's the, not the kind of purplish, right? Y- y- yeah, but no, you know what? She's not. Um, She's not. Uh, she's not the same species. I think I was referencing the species that have the really long. They're often the the servant class that have the really long th- long tails. Um, here, I'm going to look up what her species is because I should know, and I've forgotten. 
Oh, yeah, she is a Togruta. Okay. Well, anyway, here's the point. The character model, being what it is, we always thought that she looked a hell of a lot like uh, Rosario Dawson. Well, they just... Uh, first, it was a rumor, and then it was confirmed that Rosario Dawson has been cast as Ahsoka Tano in the new season of The Mandalorian. <laughs> there you go. Life imitating art, something like that. I mean, I mean, it seems like... It's one of those things where the fan casting aspect of it makes it seem unreal like i didn't even believe the the rumor at first because i thought well come on you know and also the the voice actress who played her is so linked to the character over the last few decades that you mm-hmm. know it's hard to even imagine that they would do this but uh that's kind of interesting and the other thing that's interesting about it to me is mandalorian is set six years after the battle of yavin right yes. and the Clone Wars stuff is 30-something years, almost 40 years, 30 years before that. Before so that. we're going to see an adult version of that character, and it's going to be a link back to different eras of their story. And I love that they're doing that. They're bringing in continuity into Mandalorian from mm-hmm. other uh, other story threads in the Star Wars world. And I think that's great. We saw that at the end of the first season of Mandalorian, too. Yeah, so no, that was I, a fun I, thing. I, I can't wait for that to get here. It has to come now. Yes. Yes. It is. It's shocking that it hasn't, to be honest with you. I'm a little offended that they didn't just fast track it because, you know, you know, they have it. They could have done that for us. Well, it, it tells you what they're doing in the post-production. Well, they're probably have to do a lot. There's um apparently there's a fair amount of uh, of that kind of uh, Hollywood work still active. It's the VFX and the post-production stuff is still going, which is great. Uh, so let's see. So we've got, uh, Rosario Dawson. That was a thing that was fairly new. Um, you know, since we last talked, um, Scott Derrickson was bumped off of Dr. Strange too. Did you, Mm -hmm. did you note that? I did. That's that's very much not a good thing. I think, um, who is it that jumped on? There's someone that (sighs) trying to remember who it is. Yeah. Someone, someone else, someone else who's who's well-known has stepped in, but I wanted to see M night. No, no. (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) I I was, I wanted to see what he was going to do. Right. Like I wanted to see the Eldritch horror, the, the scary multiverse of madness. I wanted to see them go in that direction. And you know, it disappoints me that there was this difference of, you know, difference of difference of opinion about what the project was going to be, and that ultimately uh, he, he was off, and the, someone else was on. Oh, it's Sam Raimi. God yeah, damn it. yeah. I mean, that's exactly so, not what I want. But so, but I, what do you think of this as well? Because I thought maybe there's another one of those situations that we've seen um, that often later on get reported as the real reason uh, versus what is reported at the time of the firing or the change, quote unquote. Right. 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 What if there was a specific role that this movie had to play in setting up what was going to happen three movies later? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there could have been a lot of friction over that because it kind of stymies the creative freedom that certain people may want to exercise on it. Right. The Some people thrive under that. Yeah. Some people, I think, like Taiki, I think he, yeah. th- he thrives in that kind of thing, but maybe Derrickson doesn't. It's oh, the yeah. Same thing, right. Yeah, Guardians no, of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah, right. The, yeah, right. The the, the but uh, but that but at the same time though, 
it's sort of like a version of the of the whole thing about like you know celebrities whining about their um not having any privacy right you don't sign on to do marvel films let alone a follow-up marvel film and then be mad that you're being asked to to tie into a greater continuity storyline people are stupid that's right um but derrickson is i mean i've i've followed him on social media and he's he's an interesting guy i mean he's a very intelligent guy doesn't seem like he has a ton of hubris and i don't know one day i'd like to know uh a little bit more about why he left but we'll see um you know going back to the mandalorian i forgot to mention uh supposedly michael bean's coming on as a bounty hunter so that'll be interesting. I, I did see that yeah that'll be fantastic um, unfortunately, the other rumor is uh, what's her name from uh, Halloween and and uh, Halloween. She's from Halloween. Um, what's her name? Uh, and from True Lies, take off your stockings and, one yeah. by one. What's her name? This is high quality podcasting right here. It is, we got it nothing is, to do. Yeah. We have nothing we to do that. but do our research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, what's her name? No, I. She supposedly had a, a double X issue. Um, hold on. Double X. Jamie Lee Curtis. Gosh, yeah, that's it. the of one. Of course. Yeah. That's the one. So uh, for of our 333 listeners, uh, probably 95% of which are half our age, this is what happens. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Your, your best days are ahead of you. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so that's not exciting to me. But uh, Michael Bean, I'm, I'm always down for that. Um, oh, another thing I was going to mention is, uh, you know, the boys, did you, um, did you watch the first season of the boys? Absolutely. I'd love it. Can not wait for the second? All right. So, um, Stormfront in the comics was a male character and it's a female now, big Nazi, big Nazi Superman type. And yep. now, uh, is going to be and now as a female, uh, I think it's Aya Cash is the actress and it's interesting the. On Twitter, I follow, you know, sort of the people that I'm connected to on Twitter are, it's a fairly feminist and um, progressive side of Twitter, which is, you know, Twitter has a lot of extremes. But anyway, so it's interesting when when news happens, it's interesting what my different so, uh, sources of content, you know, as I'm plugged into them, what that story is from them, right? And so the Twitter response to this was, holy shit do we really need a you know super hot uh actress playing a sexy nazi on the boys because this is just one more thing for the dude bros to debase themselves over which i think is a valid argument but but they're they're gonna do that no matter what i was gonna say it's a valid argument except i think it applies to almost everything every sexy (laughs) villain it's because it's got the red hot nazi part right that makes it Mm -hmm. extra um you know questionable but i don't know it kind of look cool i'm i'm down for it that's a show i don't know why you would ever poke at the boys in any in any format and say well this is reasonable and that's not right <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's it's fine um you know i don't know uh ryan reynolds is supposed to uh apparently be he's in talks to do a live action dragon's lair which i thought was amazing that would be really fun you know it, thinking about his brand if it was self-aware, that would be pretty great. Kind well, of I think I, but I think he is very self-aware, right? Yes, and very yes. brand-aware. If you and very self-deprecating as well. So I Absolutely. think uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I can see I, I, there's there's parallels to Free Guy, but 
I, I could totally see a Dragon's Lair where it's him getting sucked into the game and being a guy in Dragon's Lair, right? I can totally mm-hmm. see him playing that entire movie that way. Uh, another one is, uh, so here's another item for you. There was a rumor that was pretty hot for a while and I never saw debunked, which was that Alison Brie was being courted for She-Hulk on uh, the Disney Plus series. And I think that's a great idea. But it's never going to happen. All right. But it would have been a great idea. From a personality standpoint, she'd make a great Jennifer Walters. The interesting part would be the degree to which they pumped money into putting her into a, you know, like fused with a Ronda Rossi or something, you know, some sort of like super buff, super buff, larger than life MMA type female fighter. But then, and what, then blend her face into it or something, you know. Yeah. I think. It but then, but then, what happens when uh, She Hulk and Captain Marvel meet? Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. A similar rumor was claiming that Alicia Vikander was being courted for Spider Woman, and I'll tell you, I'd be there for that too. I would too. Where's when's the new multiverse uh, movie coming out for Spider Man from Sony? Oh, you know. Uh, I don't know when that was set to come out. They were actively working on it, but I don't know yeah. if it had a spot. Sony's such a hot mess. I mean, who knows? Mor- Morpheus and... No, Mor- Morbius? Morbius? Morbius. Morbius. <clears throat> oh, my God. And the fact is, that's such a dog shit project product in the first place, but then the marketing for it is so ridiculous. A trailer that was underwhelming, and then... The, the latest one they released a couple days ago, where it's like a slash through his face, and you see the 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 Morbius face underneath and it was like the worst uh tangent line yeah. to cut they just looked like someone vomited on the poster which maybe they did it's retro yeah 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 no I, it looks terrible so sony doesn't know what the hell they're doing um that person is called jared leto well you know keep in mind that sony supposedly was greenlighting an aunt may series and or aunt may movie and <laughs> like all kinds of shit so they were just like you know, they had the properties, and it's like, if you keep them in play, you keep them, right? So they were just throwing everything yeah. at the wall and seeing what sticks. I haven't even seen Venom, and they're full speed on Venom 2 with Dipshit <sighs> and his hair. And No. Not interesting. Um, like, like Pacific Rim 2. Can't yeah. wait to miss that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'll have one final one for you. Uh, oh, no, two, two, one, two more for you. One, uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot that's happening. Supposedly, they made some... I mean, I read the comments. <clears throat> they said that it would, uh, it was very possible that it would be set in the same universe. So, why that I think is a good thing is that I like the universe that they had built off of uh, in all of the Ron Moore Battlestar Galactica stuff. Well, I mean, the sci-fi. I mean, it, it is the it is the gold standard now for BG, right? I mean, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's not even yeah. close. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me that they wouldn't reinvent it for the 80th time. I'm happy to just have more stories set in the same that same world. Yeah, without having to redesign it. So they but so they're going to insert in the middle and then expand. Is that well? I don't those? know. Did you watch all the spinoffs too? I I, I watched all of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought that they. I didn't see much of Blood and Chrome, but uh, but I mean, in general, there's plenty of stories to tell, and it's similar to Star Wars. There's all kinds of other things that you can tell within that context. The sto- the main thrust, so to speak, of BSG is humans, you know, caravan of humans, big mm-hmm. bad following them, and that's it. But, you know, of course, who's to say that there aren't little other outcroppings of humans that have survived? And, who you know, you can bump around in the timeline to do stuff. 
Yeah. Also, you can get timey wimey with it. Do some you alternate can. reality stuff. Absolutely. Because remember, it's all just boils down to 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 Lucy, right? So yeah. In the end. Uh, the very last thing I was going to mention is well, that, um, I, I have one to bring up at the end too. Oh, okay. So go ahead. Yeah, you you go. I can't. So the most exciting thing that I've seen is that the Expanse season five may get stepped up by a significant portion of time to hit earlier than expected. So are you kidding me? I didn't read that. I am not kidding you. Uh, so they wrapped. They wrapped the, shooting on February fifth. <laughs> well, you know, we. We still need to have a. We need to talk about that season in detail. But when it ended, it was like our Stevenson books, right? It's like you end it, yeah. you put it down, and you're like, "Well, God," or, or frankly, any of the Expanse books, right? You put it down, yes. and you're like, "Well, now what am I supposed to do?" <laughs> Couldn't fucking believe myself. I was like, "Come on, now what?" <laughs> well, and it, the the most recent book uh, certainly leaves you with the "what the hell comes next" kind of thing. But well, yeah. and 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 we do need to talk about that last season. But at least I will say that um, of, well, the of last season that, and the last book, because yeah. the last book ends, it's like what the no. But what I'm saying is, with yeah. what they did with the first uh, Amazon season of Expanse, gave yeah. me a lot of hope because the by merging stories together and tweaking the timeline so they could do things simultaneously mm-hmm. it gets us a lot closer to the really interesting because we got two really really big stories coming up that are directly really related big. to each other directly yeah. related to each other and we have a chance to actually see them and that's yeah. all i want well the, did you see also that that's why i have laconia about... as my neck tattoo i don't know if you saw that right <laughs> i did not see that that yeah. looked like a cyst yeah okay, um... <laughs> not not far off i've been in the pens too long right <laughs> The stockades, man. Yeah. Um, but the, the, they're talking. It's like it's a seven a seven season gig that oh. they're, they're committing to. And seven, seventeen seasons sounds great. Yeah. No seven. Uh, and I can't wait. For, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait for the book. The next book. Okay. So oh, over to you. Well, the last thing I was going to mention briefly, just because again, we're going to try to keep this light and no exist existential dread, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is suing the creator of this nightmarish robot of himself have you seen that no so someone someone i think they were russians but they built a a bust of him it's kind of like what our friend mike's uh philip k dick was right yep. it's it's a it's a head and and shoulders of arnold and it's really bad uh latexy and 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 so he's suing them for like millions of dollars to get this thing stopped but i'm disappointed and they wanted like two hundred forty thousand dollars per right so it's just one of those those VC flash in the pan, you know, get some attention and sell it kind of things. But mm-hmm. man, obviously it's not a fucking Terminator. All it can do is talk to you like a, like an Alexa could, but the, the idea that you could have a really like a original Terminator era, rubbery Schwarzenegger on your desk, you know, and when someone, you know, like the your Instacart comes and someone's at the door, you know, like, Oh, It's not a strawberry sour. Not at all. <laughs> That's, not the, That's, That's not, not the tumor. That's not the tumor. <laughs> I would have totally... I mean, I totally would have spent 240000 sh- someone else's money on that. <laughs> the Schwarzenegger personal medical assistant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Knives, you're going to stab- you're gonna, you're gonna need a tourniquet. <laughs> it's time for an exam. Knives, stabbing weapons. <laughs> all right, well... Keeping it light. Keeping it light. 
So there was a show that we talked about uh, early on. The first half of this show season, we talked about it, and we never were able to get back to it. And so many things were happening at once in terms of content and the holidays and the Mandalorian and some other things, and we never really got to circle back on it. But Watchmen, Mm -hmm. we never finished talking about Watchmen. And it's been long enough, and I didn't do any homework, so I don't have, I mean, it's not like I have copious notes on this or anything, but um, what's your, you know, what's your vibe on how it panned out? Just thinking about the last time we talked about it was like two or three episodes in. We didn't have yeah. any sense of what the story was going to be. Yeah, uh, other than other than the obvious things, right? Sure, so, right. No, but or I mean Ozymandias the direction it went. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. Um, well, I've got to say it is one of the best shows I've ever seen. I loved it. Yeah, I thought I uh, loved Dam- it. Damon Lindelof so far has completely redeemed the lost debacle, and. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, you I think I you mean. could say, yeah. Well, what? No, I mean, you know, I mean, no, total redemption. Be, yeah, to, something, something definitely to be said for a done in one. It was a well crafted right. done in one. It was very deliberately done in one, and he said, "I'm not coming back." Right, but the show's coming back. It's just without him. Well, I don't know. They haven't confirmed that. They said they might. Uh, I, I, they I, might. I, there's too much money to be made, especially now. Yeah. Well, oh, that's on, a good point. That's a very good point. Right. I pointed yeah. at you when I said that, you know, but, the, <laughs> but, but as a, but talk about, talk about an change. amazing single yeah. season experience. Yes. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Westworld is an example of where the first season's experience was encapsulated. And if it never went on from there, it would have been perfectly fine, but they found a way to keep going and make it good. I could end as much as I wanted more Watchmen when it ended, I could imagine mm-hmm. it ending there. And being happy with it. Oh yeah, I, but I think there are so many uh, what ifs, right. right? That any and, I, and maybe that's why Lindelof did it the way that he did it. Like, okay, I completely changed the trajectory that everybody associated with the Watchmen and gave you a different flavor for it. Really turned it into an exploration of the worst of humanity writ large at a grand scale. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, and now someone else can take it that next step. And I think that's fine. It doesn't need to be the Lindelof to me, but I think yeah. exploring these story characters a little more deeply now that they have been changed quite a bit is a, I, I think it's, it's a such a target rich environment. It's going to happen. It's just a matter are, of time. Are there good examples of series that as seasons, as they went from season to season, the voice changed substantially and it still was successful. Showrunners changed; it changed the focus, and it was still good. Well, I mean, so it, there. So let's be careful here, because there are folks that are at the helm, like the creative directors, that are kind of the orchestrators of everything, mm-hmm. where they have different directors coming in. Right. Right. That that's done all the time, right? So you take a look at the MCU. You take a look at. Um, a, a lot of very successful movie franchises in the same kind of light that they still have the same Bruckheimer, right. you well, know, Uberman. But that's, yeah, but they, that's yeah. yeah, but in those cases, they bring in directors to continue the same vision. And I'm thinking about where, you know, a case like this, Lindelof had a very specific voice so, and then left. If uh, the next one was very different in tone, would it would it still does it have the potential to still be a good show? So The Walking Dead had a massive change very early on. 
right? With okay. the great purge uh -huh. of one of the leading creative forces in the transformation right. of the comic book to the series. Right. And I would I would say for the, the first Kirkman few thing. seasons, right? In the in the first few seasons after that, I thought it got better. Uh -huh. um, but recently, not so much. But <laughs> well, um, uh, Weiss and Benioff is a good example of what happens yeah. when there isn't there isn't a overarching trajectory that that guides it when they mm -hmm. ran out of material. And I actually still, I mean, for all the things I didn't like about the last of game of Thrones, I still enjoyed it, but you know, it was very apparent what happened when they went off the reservation. Well, right. because the reservation ended, they had no right. choice. They were pushed off of it. Sure. But what I'm saying is that was their chance to tell their own story. And they, a didn't tell a very cohesive story and they rushed it and they had other things going on, but it was not like people look back on that and say, well, you know, the post, oh, yeah. uh, you know, post rr version of game of thrones had its own voice they didn't say that they say it fell apart. yeah oh the, the book creative geniuses yeah they didn't do that right even the fan, um, even the most positive folks <laughs> all agree it could have been a lot better well daredevil so daredevil had a, a certain creative team at the beginning and had an incredible first season there was a shift for the second season and it was mm -hmm. i still liked it but it definitely was tonally different and then came back again for the third season was and then had um, sort of a, a resurgence of its energy. So you mm -hmm. can see as creative teams shifted around on that project, there were differences that were both good and bad. So I don't yeah. know. Anyway, well, I think, you know, I think it, it could work. I mean, look, look at, look at we'll watch. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, no, yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. Look at Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> did you, um, did you watch, did you read any of the PDPedia entries while you were watching Watchmen? No. So it was this really great viral marketing that they were doing. I don't know if it's viral. It's not like it just showed up in Nabisco ads or anything, but um, HBO. It's Flakes. Yes, HBO.com. And then you would go to P2P, the Petapedia files, and they were like an anonymous writer writing about mm -hmm. stuff that was being uncovered, like in a conspiracy theory kind of way. And it was mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like. You know, it, it had like references to things that were happening in episodes further down the line and various little weird wackadoo things that later on would be relevant to the story. And one of the like, for example, in one one Petapedia was these, uh, you know, sort of blueprint blueprint style cross sections of the Dr. Manhattan um, dildo and some other things, but just like really random stuff all over the place. It was really random. So it turns out that it's the, the Petapedia entries. They're called PD. Petapedia for Pete. It was the FBI agent, junior FBI agent that was um, uh, working with Gene Smart's character. Right? Remember yeah. him? The skinny guy? Yes. Did you know at the very end, did they... Yeah, they did show it in continuity, right? That he was the, sli the slippery the slippery what's-his-name? Uh, quality podcasting, man. Quality podcasting. <laughs> the slippery what's-his-name. <laughs> slippery what's-his-name. Uh, yeah, so I think... I, I don't know. I think that that's... Um, I think that's kind of interesting. It was an interesting way of doing viral marketing. When you go back and look at it, which I looked at it mm -hmm. after the fact, I was like, oh, this is fun because it's not cheesy. It's deep. It's deep level uh, sort of detail, but not yeah. in that way that is like um, what they're doing with Rise of Skywalker, where it's like, well, if you read all these other things, maybe the story makes sense. It wasn't like that at all. It's just like no, nerd stuff. It's not it's necessary. And it's still the, no, yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't. But it, but it, it well it's cabalism as opposed to storytelling and it's a different approach. But I, I will say that like uh, what I found really appealing about the Watchmen overall is that 
how perspective based it was and what you believe is real and depending sure. on the filter set that you put up you can easily convince yourself of that side being right or that side being right yep um i, I loved how they changed it to the big squid yeah um right yeah. as a and yeah you know, i right it's a yeah I, a, I, a sequel to the comic but then they recontextualize it with yeah, the little squids and all that yeah yeah, yeah yeah well especially the big ending right so right. um and I do think it was a. Uh, so I still have issues with how Manhattan ended up. Hmm. Um, you mean at the very based, end? Well, we can so spoil. if he really, if, if he really was that omnipotent, and if he could create multiple copies and live in existent, you know, different places at different yeah. times, why would he allow this the to same happen? moment? Right, and so unless unless he was just bored of that, just wanted to <laughs> give that to somebody else, and then I'm going to give you an egg and let you eat it. And then you become the new me. Well, but that's Lindelof getting. Re- he he gets really Jesusy. He does. He gets really Jesusy. So he does. But I, you know, there was a there was a component of that that I felt was um, there was uh, there was a certain um, contemplative sort of calmness to him. Some acceptance of things being a certain way because he's across time. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what he chooses, not just what happens or, to him. He chose to be captured. He chose for the things to happen to happen. And I and so, I wonder. So what rational creature does that? Uh, right, a post-human for that termination. No, a post-human. If he lives in all point, if he lives in in every point of the timeline at once, he has no preservation instinct because there is no. I need to live to do future thing i need to do things in the future no, no. i need to experience things he experiences everything through his entire so, history right. so so I, I i get all of those points but the fact still remains that if he can be a thousand different places a thousand different times does his death really hold any significance whatsoever because it is more of a character story driven element than well sure something that i that because like, i i'm pretty sure if it ever comes back for season two with or without Lindelof. Oh, he'll he'll reappear. There's gonna be there's gonna be Miss Manhattan, and then there's gonna be Mister Manhattan that shows up at some other point. So, right. yeah, right, right, uh, yeah. You did a great job. I- I'm back. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, though, if you if you consider it a done in one story, to me, what I found compelling was it was an example of his alienness. Yes. After what's changed for him, the he has a, there's a lot of his story is about reclaiming humanity for himself, mm-hmm. or the skin the onion skin of humanity by forming a of creating a form and coming to her and appearing in vietnam for fuck's sake and then that was a so that i mean that, that whole was thing one was of the amazing. best scenes that, yeah yeah everything about the just the 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 world building in this show was amazing between the mm-hmm. contemporary stuff and those time those timeline components where um you know set, setting everything up in vietnam the way they did which is a which mm-hmm. is callbacks to the original comic but um that that post Manhattan Vietnam where it's everybody's vendor cart has his visage and they mm-hmm. have a national holiday of him and everything and having him walking through it. Well, and, the and, bombing and everything. A, yeah. Vietnam was the 51st state. Right. And the fact that there was a bombing that kills her parents and he's mm-hmm. an atomic man, which was mm-hmm. amazing. But, but to me, the idea he spent all this time reforming humanity around himself to have this connection with this other person and literally hiding himself in a human, doing all this stuff 
and yet he is the most he's so alien he doesn't have the self-preservation preservation instinct he has no tether to his mortal coil because he is beyond living well, does yeah, he even that. live is he even well, alive at that point or can he even die so that's my point well and that's the point if you yeah you go back to fundamental physics is he dead right because yeah, remember not. he was shredded and reassembled shredded right. reassembled and this whole transfer of essence stuff that well they... and that's and that's yeah. the thing he, he could very well it could very well be that he has accepted that there is no he has no more need of being a recognizable consciousness anymore and See, his, I, I th- yeah well I, 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 there's a lot of what ifs yeah, but to but me I those just, were tantalizing I, ideas yeah but he's not not existing. He's just not existing as himself. Right. So I, I don't think he self-selected out. I think he just said, okay, I can end this part of myself to enable someone else to take that role over. Right. And then, yeah. But, he, yeah, disassembly and reassembly is not his problem. Yeah. I love physiology. That. Physiology is his problem. And I loved the whole Warshak rewrite. I love oh. The, and and the, its exploration of um, race relations was oh, yeah. phenomenal. I mean, it was just and well the, that yeah, first episode. Wow. I mean, so I watched the the we talked about it before, I think, but I watched yeah. the pilot for this around the same time uh, that I tried to start His Dark Materials, and I had the opposite experience. Right, His Dark Materials was heavy in exposition to try mm-hmm. to set up a world building exercise that I could barely get into despite how much it talked to me about it. Whereas Watchmen sets us up with a museum doing a presentation about history, which leads to a incredibly graphic and urgent view, unflinching Mm -hmm. view of American history that most people didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. Then, then uses the FCC warnings as content in the show, as marketing (laughs) for the show that are actually marketing for the for the the Minutemen show or whatever you know the the hanging mm-hmm. the hanging the or the, the Hooded Justice show the FCC warnings for the Hooded Justice show worked for the Watchmen as well. I like mm-hmm. everything in that first episode and then in the follow up episode was so succinct in telling you everything you needed to know. You didn't have to be a deep well, comics fan at all right. to get into it. Well, and and it also self selected for those who really wanted to watch it and those who didn't. Absolutely. So you, there is no there is no primrose path. Like but we're like, going to hit you. We're going to hit you in the face with a lot of shit. And if you like it, come on board. If not, stay home. How much? How much cigaweed had to be involved for them to find their way around? Like, okay, how do we make superheroes contextually relevant? What's the what's a mask? What's the purpose of a secret identity? What is the nature of uh, whether you trust in a mm-hmm. in a in someone who's a protector? versus a vigilante and all those images and then tying it down into deep race relations and the issues of contemporary racism in the law enforcement system and then oh. inverting it, inverting right. it. I mean, I thought it was and then, and then, and then family and, then right? family. and responsibility and accountability. Right. And, and how these arcs are all intertwined and karma really does exist. Well, and, and then how about uh, the fact that, and, and you speaking of family, it was literal because they're all hanging out in a dining room with a bunch of windows and you keep thinking someone's going to get snipered from the window and they don't. But talk about, you know, the family environment where you're, 
your beloved grandfather or uncle or something then all of a sudden has one too many gin and tonics and starts spouting deep racist shit and you're like oh no and oh, has no. a and has a, a kkk it happens to have it in his bed in the closet yeah, yeah. on I a mean, mannequin what a great how i mean how bold was it that he never he's never unsympathetic yeah you have to wrap your head as she had to wrap her head around the fact that well you know all evidence proves that he was actually a terrible racist person, mm-hmm. but her entire experience as a black, a, not only black, but a black and non-continental U.S. board person, yep. experiencing him as a family member, she found nothing but who joy saved, from him. Who saved her life. Yeah, yeah. And yet he is this other person. I thought that was real. that dichotomy yep. was really interesting to me. So again, that, that perspective and the truth depends on where you are and when you are. Right. It's sort of like when, uh, when, when beloved figures are accused of uh, you know, they're accused of sexual harassment or rape or something. And then there's all this huge segment. Well, there's, yeah. there's huge, well, I'm thinking about scenarios where a lot of their fans just can't wrap their head around it. That it must be some mistake. You're telling me this, but I cannot find mm-hmm. any, anything about that person that seems to suggest that he could wow. do a thing and how much of, how much of that kind of story exists in the world. Right. Well, well you didn't know him that take, well. Take a look at Scrotus. Yes, I don't want to, but yes. No, but, but, but the, yeah. I mean, the, there's a great example of that, like, oh, I, he, the, he or she can do no wrong, therefore, no matter what, you find whatever videotape, it doesn't matter. The P-tape. I yeah. love the soundtrack oh, of this. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the, the sound, I mean, there's everything on the periphery was incredible, right? The yeah. set design, the script, I mean, all the pieces that make something great were great. Um but what I also was tickled picked by was the boys and the watchmen. Uh-huh. And how right? they entered. Yes. Well, and how they explore these issues that most of the peripheral anime comic book folks would never even get close to. Sure. <clears throat> so it's, it's really interesting, right? Like, what if Superman was a psychopath? Well, right. that's an interesting thing to explore. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> right. Well, you know, being... Um... You know, going to conventions over that last year and selling my post-human role-playing game, whose premise looks a hell of a lot like the TV version of The Boys, not so much the comic mm-hmm. version of The yeah. Boys. That was a talking point with a lot of customers who would come up and talk to me about the game, and I would tell them about the, the conceits of manufactured propaganda-based superheroes and, and villains and stuff. And we talked a lot about The Boys, but also with a few people, we talked about Watchmen too, because there's a certain aspect mm-hmm. of... You know, the question of when do you allow someone in a costume with powers do your law enforcing and your protecting and your, you know, messaging for you. And so yeah, that yeah. I, I, I it was very fascinating. Well, um, and, no, and just, and just like the so in in the watchman, right, the big thing was the privatization of the cops, the yep. those whole industry influences going in and influencing politics, theology, enforcement structure and uh and basically social engineering and and the boys is and, and the superheroes fighting against that right trying to prevent that from happening and in the boys what's interesting is that the machinery has included the suits right right right, right. even even the avengers it was okay do we sign the the sokovia accords the, the, the sokovia yeah. accords or not right and like blah 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 so in the, the boys, they took it one step further. Like, what if the superhumans are actually super dicks 
and right. uh, yeah. and part of the oppressors, not part of the liberators. And there were super dicks yeah. in that. There are super dicks <laughs> several times in that show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and oh, you that's know, interesting. Well, the other thing is, um, uh, I think I like that the you, you mentioned the Roshark thing. I thought it was interesting that they he was a sympathetic figure to a lot of people who read Watchmen. Me but too. he was never but he was never but according to Moore, he was never intended to be necessarily a sympathetic figure. He yeah. was an example of what happens when you have the Thatcher state and then you drive people you drive people who have a re- reason to be opposed politically to the their uh you know their lack their lack of privacy and their lack of independence and then forces them into an extreme mentality which creates the monster that you're supposedly protecting us from and so now we've we've gone one step further now and he's become the the his writings and his image has become the flag for the clan which was fucking amazing right Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was the most sympathetic character one way or another in Watchmen, and here we are you know but but so now after the disney version of the Watchmen, who do i think is the most sympathetic character in the in the in the the new one, yeah. In the filmed Watchmen, no, the no, Reds. not the film, not oh. the film, because War, War Shock would have been no, it, no, not right? the film. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. in the in the HBO version, in yeah, the HBO clearly, version, clearly it's the Red Scare. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking loved him, man. The Red, you know how DNA I feel about everything. a Russian I, Russian red tracksuit, right? You know, the ripped I mask. Have, I have high metabolism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting question about who is the most. No, Ozymandias. Yeah, well, he Ozzy, definitely was to one me, of them. Was the most. Yeah. No, no. Uh, to me, uh, absolutely, I, I found him the most sympathetic because he's like that old crazy soup uncle. Yeah, died, yeah, yeah. You know, thought he was well, so great and then ended up not being so great. Yeah, but talk about the um, coming down from pedestals, and in his case, quite literally coming down from a pedestal. Doctor Manhattan is reduced. And Ozymandias, the smartest man in the world, is, you know, even after all of his shenanigans and you figuring out the framework of all that, that moon stuff mm-hmm. or wherever he was, Eo, Eo or wherever he was. Eo. Eo. Yeah. The, um, but when it boiled down to it and when he came back and he's dealing with um, Lady Chu, him oh, Lady having – She was amazing. Yeah. From the boots to the car to – her own mother as a clone yeah. everything but not sympathetic but not sympathetic never sympathetic not sympathetic yeah but uh but the whole sequence where he was interacting with her and she's like yes i just don't care it was the plight of every older person to realize their lack of relevance that no matter how smart what? they are that that a younger powerful person in front of them is not mm-hmm. listening to them anymore so you, we were speaking earlier tonight about the Northern California enclave of hippie, dippy, yep. trippy, you know, yep. elitism. Ozzy, to me, like you, you, even as you go across his the entitlement was comic, astounding. His entitlement, yes. I think, right? His entitlement yeah, is astounding. Yeah. And then yeah. Manhattan, totally like, yeah, uh, <laughs> sideboxed him. Um, but Ozzy, at the end of the day, to me, was. Oh man, mm-hmm. you're just pathetic. The most sympathetic. Yeah, I think um, 
because everything the, the great uh, utopia he was trying to build just got trashed sorry i just totally ripped your thought out no 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 i was just thinking i'm still thinking about the sympathetic the concept of the sympathetic character um uh i'm just blanking on his name right now but um the what was he called the mirror oh yeah um he he was my favorite to watch yes. i mean regina regina king's character both as sister knight she looked amazing but just in general she was mm-hmm. amazing and also it's just really fun to see this kind of a of a character and this kind of an actor in the lead role um a non 20 year old anorexic african-american woman being the lead of the of the of the show and being the primary mm-hmm. hero of the show i was fucking i was delighted I was delighted that she was the age she was and the person that she was as an actress and then as the character. I thought that mm-hmm. was great. But this guy, what's his name? Uh, from, 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 from. Uh, well, I, I remember him from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, yeah. So, Tim Daniel, Tim. Um, yeah, Tim Blake Nelson. But Tim Blake Nelson, Tim yeah. Blake Nelson he was the mirror, whatever his name was, his character's name was. He was the, he was probably the most fascinating character to me, other than what Lady Chu was up to. He mm-hmm. was the most fascinating. Um, his but again, vulnerability sympath- was amazing. But, yes, I thought he was very sympathetic. sympathetic. How no. could you say he was not sympathetic? His because backstory the end, when they showed because it. Because at the end, at, no, I'm talking about at the end. Yes. You take it to the full series. Yes. But who suffered the most? And in a relatable way. Wow. Well, because know. of I, the events that we saw, right? I mean, overall, I, I think the, his background story and doing the religious Watching him operate out, as a broken yeah. person was, as yeah. a as a closeted, affected yeah. person, was really, yeah, really fascinating, enough. though. And, and his whole end of the world OCD bomb shelter stuff oh, was just really done. Yeah. I'm going to put on the, the shiny hat. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to prevent the radio waves. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I didn't see that coming at first, right? The whole idea that his yeah. like his mirror his mirror mask was going to be a version of the tinfoil hat was astounding. And, um, and how great is that? Is that the uh, what was that M Night Shyamalana Bing Bang um, signal signs signs? Right. Yes. Right. Where they had the aluminum foil hats. <laughs> yes, on. that's right. <laughs> My favorite of his movies, which nonetheless I still struggle with, when the the. 85% of the world is water in. <laughs> anyway, okay. So um, so talking about the music briefly, um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I, what I really loved about this is I love the music. I love the variety of the things mm-hmm. that they did with it. I wasn't super thrilled about the fact that they incorporated um, uh, spoken word components from the, from yeah. the show into the soundtrack, like the, like the, the, the FCC warning and some other stuff and the intro to the Hood of Justice. But... What I really liked and was delighted by was, you know, I downloaded the first, the soundtrack and I was excited about it and then discovered that they were releasing subsequent soundtracks for different episodes. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was like three of them or something, whatever it was, three or four soundtracks. And I was like, oh, my God, it just keeps on going. That's the part that really got me excited because I get so frustrated when a show has a really strong musical vision, so to speak, oral vision, mm-hmm. and you get a single soundtrack and it doesn't capture all of the intricacies of what they had in the show yeah yeah so that was dope but uh, so it's the thing that i love it was like uh so the the, the melding of the cinema the, the the optical and the audio 
Right. Like, like the episode where she takes all the memory pills and goes oh on that God, two yeah. episode arc, right? With and Louis Gossett Jr., thank you for yep. coming back and entertaining oh us my one God. more time. Um because those are some of the most astounding scenes. Those flashback and time shifts and the cinematography wizardry that they had there that was seamlessly done. I mean that that was oh yeah. You 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 put it up to another experience like the Game of Thrones, the uh, Battle of sure. Winterfell. Oh yeah, and the cinema individual experience, and it's not even close, right? I mean, the power is just amazing. So Jean Smart was sort of feeling to me like the queen of super shows at the time I was watching this because. She was playing uh, Spectre and then, or Jupiter. She's playing Jupiter or Spectre? Jupiter. Jupiter. Spectre. Whichever. Fuck. Sally Jupiter or Silk Spectre? I can't remember anymore. Uh, but no, the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Spectre. Yeah, okay. Silk so, Spectre. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, regardless, post, post costumed version of her. But at the same time, I was watching, I was catching up on. And by Legion. the way, and by the way, she's 68, just, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Right. And then I was catching up on Legion <laughs> and you're up to date on Legion, right? Well, actually oh, yeah. I'm, I'm only through the second season. Cause that's all that was released oh, at the time. Yeah. But so she's fucking amazing on Legion. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was convinced that she was a Marvel Netflix villain at some point, but the fact is I don't think she was, and she should be, she should be in the Marvel universe somewhere because well, she would fit the world of Marvel's Netflix stuff really, really well. Yes, very well. And didn't. Um, yeah. But she's amazing. I just, yeah. And, and the way that that character was portrayed was really remarkable. I, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was, um, uh, I enjoyed that she was post superhero and cynical, but still had this pull. But also didn't want to go back to that. It was more and, like and, I can't quit yeah. you, kind of stuff. Yeah. But but still really hurt. Like that scene yeah. where she went into the Manhattan sound booth to the heavens. Uh, that was pretty remarkable. Oh, that was and a really that was a poignant scene, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It and was. I and I loved I loved uh, finding out late in the series that the squid alarms and all the squids coming down <laughs> that it was a it was a placebo, right? Yeah. Until the until the end when they were frozen, which took me back to like when ki- you know when you're a kid and it's like you freeze the paintballs right. You can take out street lamps mm-hmm. with them. Well, so there you go. <laughs> so we, yeah, there you go. So you're gonna you self report there, not me. Uh, yeah. The the thing that that it reminded me of was the WKRP in Cincinnati episode with uh-huh. the shopping mall live. Turkey. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. How was I supposed to know that turkeys can't fly? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my it god! Was... They're hitting the bag. They're hitting the ground like bags of wet cement. That it was my favorite shows ever when I was a kid, when I was a kid. And the other the other one was also animal cruelty related. Was when they were made a reference to how Herb Tarlick got dinged for they got fined by the uh, by the FCC because of the the duck commercial. And he's like, it was a great commercial. They're like, you had ducks dancing by putting them on a hot plate. And he's like, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, love... I, didn't know that, I, I didn't know they could feel pain. How amazing was, and I pr- think probably my favorite story in this story, was the recontextualizing of Hooded Justice as a black man. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. entire story was amazing. And it was especially interesting because we saw a what proved to be the 
expression of a media version of Hooded Justice, but it was shown to us like it was a live event. And it yeah. was uh, uh, Cherokee. What's his name? Yeah. So it was like this whole, you know, it was a different guy, totally different guy in that format because that was the format that the character was being sold to people as mass marketing. But then when you see the reality of who he was, that mm-hmm. was um, that whole sequence, his story, his life was yeah. amazing. And the especially noose, the, yeah. The, 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 yeah. Uh, the, to have the noose around the neck from that classic character, timely comics, classic character, mm-hmm. and then to have, or not timely Atlas comics, whatever it was. And then to have the reference back to him, uh, having him having been hanged in the first place, it was yeah. so good. I just could not believe it at the time. I don't know. Images awesome. and sound images and sound folded in and out and color faded in and out as she was on the nostalgia pills, right? Yeah. So they would kind of Oh, it was black. I mean it was right? all over the place, right? The the Cyclops being a reference to the Vite's original squid was a fucking amazing idea. Mm-hmm. Um Red Scare eat I'm just reading a couple of my notes here. Red Scare was eating Cheetos with a fork so his hands don't get uh, don't get don't get dirty. Don't get, don't get dirty, right? Because he has gloves. The hose connecting during the whole thing with the oh, pills, to the, the elephant to the elephant to the elephant as an umbilical cord. So okay, so let's explore that. Why so elephant? Very interesting. Memory, choice. memory, <sighs> peace. Republican. Republican. Okay, there's that. Yes. <laughs> um. No, it was just it was very interesting, right? The and they and they never went back to it. There's a whole lot of astounding little non sequiturs that they throw in that have great impact in the scene that they're in, and then get quickly forgotten. So, but that that this, was the one that stood out. There was a um, I have a note here, and I don't remember exactly what it referenced. It references Excalibur. And I don't know what Excalibur was. The I don't remember what Excalibur was in the show. If it was ever like if it was a name on something or whatever. But I wrote X Cal and a bar, and uh, that's a direct reference to her husband yeah. being Manhattan. Yeah. So that's a little thing that's fun. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I I loved it, man. I I couldn't believe it, and I was so satisfied when it ended. As even as she's walking out there, and 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 you know, it's this last moment of that scene, and I could accept it. Um, so, I just, so I, but did, did I you, didn't want you know it to what, end, but I totally understood. I expected. Do, it. do you know what Excalibur is? I just googled it for the watch. Okay, what? What? That's the Manhattan Phallus. The Phallus. Got it. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> Excal a bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, man. So uh, you know, listen. I fucking loved it, and I look forward to rewatching it um, with enough distance that I can really enjoy it again. I, well, I go back to the Watchmen movie like once every two years just to watch it and remember why it was so disappointing relative to the original comic. Uh, I'll, I will watch this again. Uh, I think the performances, top to bottom, are amazing. Well, that reminds me, there was a certain um, subversion to the fact that uh, um, Don Johnson is the police chief crashed the owl that they had been mass producing owl 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 ships as police vehicles and the one time we see one is he just crashes it like that was such a great reference to how much how um how much uh 
reverence they were giving to previous versions of the story. Oh, no, right? they were just... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. There was no homage. There was crash and burn. Right. That was it. There was no homage. Well, so as we're talking about a story in which the original, very powerful and interesting original content was uh, extended into a new story that was in its in its own way more interesting than the original story we have to talk about westworld season three specifically while you pow, pound down on uh Piroshki's there whatever you're doing lasagna lasagna so westworld season three at the time at the time that we're recording this we've had three episodes i think three or four yes, episodes. three yep three and that's a little alarming because it's an eight episode season but uh, so season why one, is that alarming? Uh, why is that alarming to you? Because they're going to come back for season four and season five. Yeah, yeah, but I just don't want it to end. So oh. anyway, so 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 for people who are only maybe tend- tangentially familiar with this concept, uh, Westworld is based off of well, fairly loosely based off of a film from the what early seventies, early seventies maybe. It was, uh, yeah, so Hugh Brenner, so it had yeah, to be 72 to 75. Yeah, and so it was, yes, sir. So it was, uh, you know, the story of a west a Western theme park where all of the characters in the theme park, non-player characters, are robots, and people can pay to go in and have their fantasy fulfilled of, of being a Wild West adventurer, and there's no ramifications to their actions because it's all robots, and there's no existential crisis whatsoever. But in the world of the HBO Westworld, there is sentience and there are ramifications and there are a lot of bigger things happening in the Westworld park. And at the very. Well, yeah, so. No, I I was was just going to say the big difference is that in Westworld, the movie with Yul Brynner, it was more of malfunction leading to accidental awareness, whereas in the show. It is intentional and deliberate evolution and the questioning yep. of uh, yep. what it means to be conscious. Right. And and a system designed to uh, to be used against other humans as a surveillance. Well, that well, that, so yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it was a whole big yeah. surveillance trap, yeah. right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So the first season of Westworld is all about being being in this in this, uh, you know, this this Wild West theme park. But then as we discover um, there was a time jump going on, and we were seeing it from at least two different time points, right? And then the second season was the expansion of that experience where the reality of the world outside of Westworld's existence was brought in, mm-hmm. right? And we started to see the questions about do, do do inhabitants of the park, can they get out and do they want to get out and, you know what is the relationship between the humans that actually care about what's happening in the park and what's happening outside? Or, or do you want to go through the rift and get uploaded to a cloud consciousness and live sure. in the matrix for the rest and, of your days? And does that exist <laughs> even? Right. Right. And so oh, it was, it, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> it's called flash memory. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, but so, but so season again, season one was one where if it ended at the end of season one, that would have been a great done in one season. And then they found a way mm. to expand. I thought so. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was, oh, it was good. I, it was good, but I, it would have been like um, 
after iRobot, there were no more Asimov novels. No, no, I understand. But what right? I'm saying yeah. is they went into season two and said, we're going to peel a, peel a layer back and show the construct of this and show some of the bigger uh, machinations that are at play. When they started, when they, at the, by the end of season two, you know, I wanted more Westworld, but I was like, well, what yeah. are they going to do? What are they going to do to keep this interesting? Because they got to a point in season two where if you go back to the Westworld imagery, it was kind of boring in a sense. Like you, it, it didn't have the same impetus that it had before because now you really want to know about everything else that's happening outside of this yeah. and why it's but, but But so, yeah, but, but to me, that was more of a natural evolution in the center of the story because in season one, it was, we're going to make it about the world. Right. Right. And, and all this stuff going on and kind of tease out some of the character development to give you the real right. oompa, right? And in season two, it was a pivot. It was no longer about the world. It was really about the character-driven elements of it and now how they are just so entwined and so effed up. And then that got us to season three, which is revolution. Well, so, but the thing about season maybe. but the, the leading into season three, I wanted it, but I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know what they're going to do to maintain the interest in the Westworld pocket universe story. And then they said, how about we just go fucking ape shit and tell yeah. the full on, uh, you know, my kind of, my kind of like clean cyberpunk. And yeah. they did it. And it's like from the beginning of the first episode, I was just like on the floor. With but, but yeah, but being yeah. prodded in all the right places. Right. See, the, it, 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 it directly addressed that thing that always gets left out, which is, Okay, so you go through all of this, right? It'd be like the Matrix. After you beat the, after you beat the the machines, then what actually fucking comes next? And it's the same thing here. Like there, there are very few glimpses into after Liberation Day, right? And usually when they are, they're they are not as compelling or impactful or appealing as the fight, right? Up to that point. And what's also interesting is that it's still called Westworld, but before that, it was always about people coming into the world, right? This imaginary world, and now it's the creatures from the imaginary world coming into the world. And right. So that juxtaposition uh, is very elegant, and very well done, and very compelling. Well, and so, also what, and and from a historical standpoint, what I find interesting about that is that the uh, the concept of the Wild West and the frontier yeah. was actually the marketing of it to the masses. Who weren't in it who fantasized about what that must be like so even as so even as the season one westworld was here you can live your fantasy mm -hmm. the impact of the imagery the cultural imagery of the west is in how everybody else how it infected the way people thought about things outside of that world so yeah. the pioneering spirit and the entrepreneurial spirit and the breaking rules and changing things were set in stone those ideas that became so codified in the idea of what an, what america is yeah those are those are leak those are like cultural leaks out of the imagery of of the wild west right yeah. so here we are the what the the west world wild west is leaking into and influencing the real world so new season of west world very exciting all almost entirely set in the quote-unquote real world and 
from my perspective, uh, all the better for it. Uh, so yeah, like I wrote the first note I wrote was, <laughs> what is this? They're ashing. The first note I wrote was, this is my kind of cyberpunk, man. Right. All of those, all of those campaigns yeah. that I ran and campaigns that you and I will be running again in the future are set in this kind of a world, the clean, the clean future that has a yeah. dark underbelly to it. Not so the grungy Gibson esque cyberpunk, but like the, yep. the everything looks really clean and perfect, and it's not. Yeah. I loved it. Oh my god, I loved it. So can I can I can I ask you a question from the aesthetic perspective? Because uh, uh-huh. and I didn't I don't know anything about the team behind the visual effects for the series, but the attention to detail and the level of it and the perfection of it. Even in the wild ass CGI stuff like the Killbot riot control, like oh my god, transforming up right. Voltron. I knew you were good. I, I knew you blew your wad on that one. Thanks. Oh my god! <laughs> and the fact that I never in my in my, in my wildest dreams, as someone who loves supply chain management as a concept, actually gets excited about things. The fact that I never imagined that you would bring your Killbot in in five five units that humans could carry, right? Yeah. No truck was required. No truck was required. But the uh, <clears throat> there was a dog. Um, on yeah, no, Bug Bug's not too happy about this new development. By the way, um, so, yeah. Um, but what was what was also interesting is the opulence of it, right? And this kind of but this inherent caste warfare system. And I'm really glad they oh, introduced yeah. the character that, that Jesse Pinkerton plays, yeah. um, Aaron Paul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who? Well, by the way, I'm really glad he's having a career renaissance. I'm really glad he did uh, El Camino. Yeah. But but I really like him in Westworld. You're going to say something that I'm not going to like. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't watch Breaking Bad. And so I'm aware <gasps> of him. Yeah. Uh, I'm aware of him from... I've seen I him. Say I, I, that is, I've, I'm sorry. I have okay. to have a moment. I have to have a moment to hang my head. <laughs> that is mind-boggling for anybody. All right. Uh, go watch. Wow. Go back and watch Clone Wars and Rebels, and I'll watch... Breaking Bad, and we'll talk about it. But I'm aware of him from imagery and stuff. I know of him. But this is my first time seeing him really, like, talk and interact. And I know he's playing a very different character. But he is an incredibly watchable, charismatic actor. He's got a Brad Pitt in him. Do you know what I mean? In terms of his eyes and the way... I'm not saying he's beautiful like Brad Pitt. But there's something about when Brad Pitt is acting, there's something about his eyes and his mannerisms and stuff that make you feel like he's real and also a little bit emotional um, and relatable and relatable and, relatable. and uh, like he, you can have totally a beer with this guy yeah you well, can have a beer with this guy but well but, and, and you said introducing his character was the class war brought about the idea of the class warfare in the real world i started off yeah. by saying this is supposedly the real world and we're going to get to that because not only is that in question as we go but also the class warfare is in question oh yeah yeah because yeah. it's you know it, it, okay. Anyway, so so but but, yeah. but so I I hear you because you can go all Inception on this shit, right? You could go like oh, and they all, are, and we can go. This is all imaginary. This is all illusory. We're going through different levels of madness and not sanity. Uh, there's no there's no real. There's only the abstraction of the real into some fragmented illusory state. I, well, I we've get already in the in the few episodes that we've seen, we've already seen. Maeve has confirmed. And realize that she has been working with both artificial reality constructs as well as part constructs. And so yeah. she's 
establish that there was she was stuck in a simulation. They make a reference to simulations and how they made a MacGuffin in the very first episode where the one drunk guy at the party says, what if we're all in a simulation, man? And the, the, the bold face. That was not a MacGuffin. That was a deliberate little. No, I know. That was not my a point, Okay. My point is how bold faced they are about getting right in the right on right in front of it and saying, how absurd would it be if this is more Matrix, but better? And. I mean, it's. I'm loving the choices they're making so, so far. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, so, and I love that. I don't know exactly what, like, I don't have so a firm grasp. Well, I, I actually don't care. I, I can live in the truth of the moment. Yeah, exactly. Right. That like, okay. Cause, Cause what, what really matters ultimately is it, is it the context or is it the impact? Well, and, and that, and that's no, but okay. So here's what I was thinking. So by the end of the episode, the, the latest episode that we saw, there's some question there was a couple of references that suggest that it's possible that we're actually watching a full world simulation, right? Because did what's the name of the the what's the name of the um, the the mass the massive AI complex? Delos. No, 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 no. The, the 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 bot, the big black orb that's doing all the calcing. Um, oh. It has this. It has this like uh, Old Testament name. You know, it's got this really great name. Eli, it's like Erobraham or something like that. Um, Elohim, Elohim. That would be the that would be the original world of God. No, it's um. Well, anyway, okay. So the big. Hold on, hold on. Go, go ahead, proceed. Well, there Elohim? was Elohim. Some... Was, was it Elohim? The like the Elvish species? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was some reference. It has. It has a um. It has a uh, a nickname like it's it's got like a four a four letter shorthand version of its name, but I can't remember. Rehoboam. Re, yeah, Rehob Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so sorry if we got that wrong, but anyway, there was some references to the fact that, um, it was collecting data and then has been engineering through insight, engineering people's lives by doing predictive algorithms to decide what their potentials really were and then ensuring that the ones that could succeed were given the potential to succeed and the mm -hmm. ones that were more likely to not succeed were kept in place not allowed to, to marry not, not allowed to breed not allowed to, right yeah. right not not allowed to continue so eugenics and everything else but like yeah. maximizing use of resources right so then there's some questions about like you know is can that be that kind of conspiracy theory level ideas can you be influenced in the real world that way or is this actually or is it or if, or is it the real world right and right. what i loved about it is it's the same it's the same question that i loved about the first two seasons which was i don't care if someone's a host or if they're a natural human because their sentience as a host made them you know it's the are you are you are you human or not is the but, but I, yeah if that's the real than, world or not, it doesn't matter, right? But maybe it does, because maybe, but maybe they're just the perfect imitation of an actual human thing, as opposed to being an actual human thing. But does it matter? I mean, this is this is the fundamental argument of the post-human consciousness and the whole, right. you know, it, it's it's not for me to judge. It's reality, right? It's that whole thing about the the the. But the you just told me, is it? But, but is it? But is it reality? No. The concept of what is reality. If the insane person's version of reality is real to them, 
how is that more or less important or valid yeah. than your version of reality? So right. to so me, we just ended the madness of every Guillermo del Toro movie ever made. I, I agree. I agree. But I love that we're still dealing with that, that sort of gray area in the show, but they're just doing it on a societal level instead of oh, as but, an individual. But, 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 but he brought up Maeve, and I'll just bring that to the point. Okay. He could crash the simulation. She hasn't been mm-hmm. to crash the world. How how fucking great though was how fucking great was it that she used a uh, logic bomb to choke it? <laughs> yeah. I love having a, a Deus Ex Machina that understands because it's part of the system that it understands systems. I love that this anachronism that this is this this construct that was the the Prairie Woman or the actually the Madam mm-hmm. at first. Um, well, to our, so to, our as, to, to our experience right. as viewers, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that she's operating with an inherent understanding and a sophisticated think, uh, ability to understand the systems that she's in to be able to map them. I love that yeah. she was like, wait a minute, I recognize this code. They built this simulation in the same way they built the the mm-hmm. you know the logic of the original park, so therefore Our I know world, how to break West it. World, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 And so That's she knew how to break it. But it wasn't just that War World was like Westworld repackaged, it was they built a they built a full time digital simulation with the same yeah. rules or the same code structure that they built the logic by way the park operated. So she was able to bomb mm-hmm. the simulation. That yeah. was fucking amazing. Yeah, it was. But so my biggest frustration with Westworld so far is Bernard. Okay. So, why, dude? Why does he appear to be the most lost? one out there when <laughs> he is supposedly like the mastermind genius behind it all and so well, I he is well i disagree because in season one and two they set him up as that okay but they set him up to think he was until he I, figured no, no. out that he was a, I, a construct no. of so he's got the clicker switch i think he's right. got this click switch that he can go between all knowing and nothing and this vulnerable character that they have, which is very interesting and, and, and well played. By, that is um, interesting. Well, he's right? representing he's representing the the uh, the manifestation of ethics in the artificial intelligence, right? So right. he is, and so, the, and so you have Maeve, and you have Maeve and Dolores playing the either side of the shoulders on that brain. Ultimately, right. that's what right. it's going to come down to, right? I'm pretty sure. I, I think there's no accident that we're seeing a rudimentary physical device. Momentary switch is used for him. To, pro- to, to provide access to his diagnostic functions and all that, which I still don't understand how he knows how to get out of it, right? Because it's almost or like why he would choose to get out of it, That's right? A- like it's it's interesting. There's something there that we don't understand yet, right? That he's choosing to come in and out of Jekyll and Hyde mode, but also I think it's no accident that um, Serac is also using a anachronistic old timey momentary switch to control Maeve, yeah, which I thought was fucking. Surreal as that was really well done. That was really done. So, uh, uh, and but 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 so, and then the wild card is Tessa Thompson's character, right? Yes. Yes. So, so can I ask a question? We got to talk about that. Yeah. So, who do you think it is? Because I think it's I think it's the boyfriend. I think it's James Marsden. Okay. So you think her body now? You think it's Teddy? I think it's Teddy. Well, I've spent some time on this. (laughs) I've been. I've been, I've been looking. I've been I've been doing some digging too. I think it's I think it's Teddy. Well, I didn't find. I mean, I haven't found anything online that I liked. Um, I think where I'm going to land on it is, I think it's a copy 
Hmm. Well, let's say, well, okay, there are holes in this. The be- the closest I got was I decided it was a copy of William before he aged. That it was an imprint well, made of him when he was young. Okay. When he was still under her sway, but he and had a dark inside. And not a no, but he had his no, but he had the edge of the psychopath. It was starting yeah, yeah, to come but, out. But, but, that but age he wasn't era. manifested. Yeah. 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 It was still in the the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, not So that, um, I was gonna say yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that, that <laughs> I will never be able to remember his name other than yeah. he's that dude from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my the, god, the I love him so the, much. <laughs> I really wish I'd do a movie. <laughs> so but I'm not positive because at the same time there are aspects of the delivery that suggest it's also uh her name starts with an A. It's not Ambrosia, but the the one that was one of the uh, the harlots in the you know in 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 the in the in the but why would brothel. but why would have but so I would, I would go there with, I, no I would go there yeah. with you if it was Maeve having right, this right, because right. Dolores and that character never had the never same. had that connection right? yeah right yeah, right. yeah and uh, you know Teddy is a possibility it, it, it there are definitely some aspects of it the problem is that Te- Teddy never had a mean streak other than when she programmed him to have one he was supposed to be her conscious con her conscience so he didn't have an underlying um so sociopathic nature but but, so, but but i don't think i don't think what the tessa character in the real world is exhibiting is sociopath like i especially with the scenes with her daughter or her son sorry no there was a specific and... scene when she realized that her son's friend was a was a chester the molester yes and then she went and slowly strangled him and said i've come to grips with this now no because what i'm saying people need that no bad people need to die that's but there's nothing sociopath. But Teddy, no, that's but Teddy never would have gone different. there. But that's not. Oh, Teddy, I disagree. Though. At the end, at the end, I think Teddy would have totally gone there. At the end, just Teddy, could, and just Teddy was manipulated by enough. programming, though. The end, the no. end. Teddy was a modified Teddy, though. But he was post Teddy. Yeah, he was post Teddy. They're yeah. all modified. I don't know. They're so anyway, touched. they're all touched. I'm going to go with Teddy because I think, so to me, this the. But from a but, story beat, but, from what a... tipped it, what tipped it was the interaction with the child. Sure, that is what tipped it, because then the duality between Dolores and Teddy, and wanting that kind of postmodern nuclear family, I think that that is a well, tipping point for me. Okay, so or Anthony Hopkins or is Anthony Hopkins? Well, okay, but the thing is, that Anthony Hopkins was never weak. Anthony Hopkins would not have manifested it that sort of like, why am I in this body yeah. and why am I in, where are you and looking for, unless she had dumbed him down. And I just don't, I don't see yeah. that. Um, Teddy, you know, in terms of like mapping it narratively, Teddy is the, is the sweet spot because of the relation. He was the, he was the restraint on her that she let loose. But when she mm-hmm. became after the Wyatt merge, yeah. Post that, you know, she never went, you know, Teddy was sort of like, I put away my childish things now, right? Um, but he didn't. But he here's didn't. the most important thing to me about this, the situation with, um, with Hale. I love to find out that she's a plant for, she was a plant for Serac and all this other stuff, which is great. I love all these bigger picture stuff that we're seeing. Um, I love that we get to see Tessa Thompson doing so much because she's so amazing. Lover she's a great actress. I mean, so Evan, and, but, and uh, that's by the way, I just got to say, Evan Rachel Wood, yeah, I completely yeah. underappreciated until this series. Yes. She's yes, really I good. I she's agree. She's a really good actress. 
but it's Tessa Thompson's hail that really puts the fork in whether this is real. Specifically, I think it's Bernard. So I, I'd say it's Bernard. No, no. So check it out. Okay. Beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. they oh, there's a mole and all this other stuff, right? And then the they come room. in and say in the boardroom, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they come in. Oh, I did love the fact that the AI, the, the that one AI voted her in as the as the 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 leader of Delos as uh, as Ford's proxy, and he's dead already. <laughs> That's yep. amazing. It's just automated. Anyway, um, so here's the thing: at the beginning of that episode, they come and say, "Here's the thing we found. You should look at it." They give it to her, and it's that foot that found footage that she spoke into the and, bot's head. Right. Right. And she and said, the, and, and, and the piano song, you are my sunshine. And that... she said, you know, I'm sorry. I was supposed to do this, whatever. Um, I didn't get to sing to you. So I'm going to sing to you now. Mm-hmm. The you end of the episode sunshine and the coat. Yep. And at the end of the episode, she's watching the same video and it's longer. And this, mm-hmm. and her recording on the video is longer. And she's saying, I didn't, I wasn't there for you. I didn't do these things. There's more emotion and there's more regret in the statement it's a longer statement so physically there's two different things happening or the perception of two different things happening and that's the part where you're like wait a minute so i thought i thought that was an editorial cutoff i don't think that was a i don't think it wasn't a cut it wasn't a cut i think it was a cut it's right in the middle of it right in the middle of it so what i I think think i think teddy's all jacked up nah so where i'm going (laughs) so that's very possible because it could be about the the degree to which input's happening but to Mm -hmm. me that was to me, that was the shot across the bow that is that we're seeing two things happening at one time. We're seeing the construct world that uh, Big Black Sphere is creating, and we're seeing mm-hmm. the real world. And the Big Black Sphere construct is matching. It's doing its simulation and comparing it against the real world simulation and doing error checking. And it's seeing that her character in the real world found a level of humility and regret that it did not map in the simulated world. There's a theme that goes from the beginning of Westworld, which is that humans don't yeah. change. Humans what? don't evolve. They've been saying since the first uh, the first episode that humans don't grow. And if that big black orb AI is building its its simulated world on, on all this information that it's gathered, and its predictive algorithms are based on the idea that humans don't evolve, and don't change and for the better. And oh, no, but, hail no, wait, change wait, for the a, better. So, but wait, I would say it's not it's not humans don't evolve. Is that humans don't go out of type? And also right? for the and better, it, and specifically for right. the better. But, but we already have another reputation of that with Aaron Paul's character helping Dolores out. That was completely predicted, and she called him out on it. Like, okay, I yeah, I, yeah. I know how you're supposed to behave, but you don't. Right. So to and me, that's at, a counter to you. That's a counter no, it's to not. your it's argument. No, nope. because no, we're disagree. seeing Aaron Paul. Because those scenes with Aaron Paul are the real world scenes where he's making choices that the algorithm so that, did not predict. Right. So then, what's the real world version in your world? Because to me, it's Tessa and Aaron in the yeah, same so, reality. I I think so too. But I'm saying I think we're seeing a simulated world and a real world with the same characters in it, but they're making different choices. And the the algorithm is error checking against them and comparing them. Okay, so that's definitely interesting to see. Yeah, I, so consider so also that there's been this this framing systems in the new season where they've been showing this arc 
that looks a lot like the arrival no, symbol. No, it's, it's, and it's then a it circle. Shows, it's just yeah. a circle with the yeah, sorry, an arc. Right? Yeah, and then it, it has it, these it, little spikes. It says there's these these anomalies and these suspicious things, and it's and it's mm-hmm. documenting them. And I think those are the points in which behavior is deviating from what the algorithm predicted it would do. Oh, absolutely, divergence. That's actually divergence. what it's called, divergence. And, and in every case, it's a human making a choice that is or is changing in a positive direction instead of a negative direction. When the beginning of Westworld was all about humans are going to debase themselves and they're going to go indulge their worst instincts. Right. And we're going to, we're going to understand them and create copies for them so that we can have spies everywhere we want. Right. Right. And it was always about people didn't go very few people anyway, went to Westworld and tried to do the right thing. Classic is William who went and thought he could be the good guy and white hat. It turned out to be the bad guy. And then he had to black hat it. Right. And so that's why it intrigues this, me that Hale could be William, because I, William is the principal character that defined oh, I don't the, know. the the reality shift in what Westworld was. So 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 to me, there was a precarious edge that they were traversing where Westworld was going to careen into the lost world. Where the, the precarious you know, edge where Frankie uh, the robot was on the edge of the skyscraper no, no, no. construction the, the, site the, where he the fell ta- the, No, the <laughs> tattoo, the tattoo, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. the game with the bean oh, that yeah, was yeah, on the right. back of the heads and everything. I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're like, here we go with, what is it? The, the yeah, dolphins yeah. and the sharks and the smoke monsters. I was just like, oh God, <laughs> no. So I'm glad, I'm glad they abandoned that at least. Yeah. There's no more maze. The, map, the maze on the, on the, ma- yeah. on the, on the, scalp yeah. yeah um i love there was a reference when uh when the when francis that aaron paul's character keeps talking to um and we find out that he's a, he's his dead it, it's, an, it's, 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 it's it's basically a simulacrum an ai of him yeah. a bot yeah, yeah that was designed for therapy and yeah. he actually goes along with it which is why he's so resigned he's so kind of like like it was so um melancholy and sad to me to know that he that's continued what, to interact with him, even though he knew that he wasn't real. But that's what Aaron Paul does the best, right? That, that's what he did throughout Breaking Bad is this kind of haunted, tormented, I know what I should do, but I can't because I'm so fucked up by what I've gone through. Yeah. And that this yeah. unrealizable human potential. Uh, so that was a, that was a straight out of Jesse uh, play card there. But what was really cool to me was that conversation of him and Dolores on the pier where right. he says, you're the most real thing that's happened to me in years. Yes. And you're not real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I was at that, all that those images. That yeah. And then yeah. and all those images of him sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on the railing of the pier yeah. and her saying, you know, Oh yeah. The model is that you're going to go shoot yourself here in 10 to 12 years. And don't tell me you don't come out here in the middle of the night. And he's like, oh. and then all those images you saw are those flashback memories of him sitting, going out there and sitting. It's like sitting on the pier. Yeah. It's like yeah. the guy holding the gun for a while and putting it down, you know, yeah. the, 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 the Punisher thing. Um, and I'm, and I'm also really happy that the sons of anarchy actor, the oh, yeah. Flannerly. The goatee, yeah, yeah. He is awesome. I'm so glad that he's back working. I love uh, him. And in a show like this. So it's like sons of anarchy, breaking bed, now yeah. are in yeah. Westworld. I'm I'm good, I'm good. Uh, so uh, <laughs> when I when I said how this was like my my cyberpunk from all of my campaigns, um, not only is it because it's the clean world with an underbelly to it, but uh, all I did was run heist heist campaigns. So you had mm-hmm. this whole corporate nation state corporate 
uh, pristine world, and then you had the the criminal element that was running running heists and doing taking on scores in mm-hmm. that context. And mm-hmm. and here we are. He's like regular everyman, you know, working the job site with his robot, and then then he's got his little app. He's got his little app, and he just takes on scores. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But did, but did you see the name of the app, Rico? Rico, like, I know, <laughs> like, like, like like the conspiracy law, like okay, you're you're violation of the Rico Act, like, absolutely. <laughs> and what do they said? And when his AI asked him, when Francis, his AI buddy, asked him, like, you know, well, what have you been doing? And he's like, oh, some redistributive work, <laughs> redistributive work. That was fucking amazing. I really like a lot yeah. of the design. In, there's some really great design stuff going on. The um, I'm pretty the sure architecture I'm pretty sure. they're using. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they they stole Dennis Villanueva's team. Oh yeah, from Blade Runner. 20... And and yeah, it is beautiful. But, yeah, but what I love is that they're using consistency in their design logic. So what we saw exactly. of the world in season one was just the the little flip out um, tablets, right? And then that design logic matched what we saw in the in the in the mesas. And when you got yeah. into the labs and stuff in season two, it all well, felt then, very internally consistent. Yeah. And now what we're seeing about the future tech feels consistent again. And I like that the robots that are in the real world ish real world are, you don't see a bunch of um, humanoids, um, humanoid robots walking around or like, you know, like uh, replicants walking around well, hosts, well, the, hosts the in the real world. Yeah, but the synthetics with all the white skin and everything else, they're not the ones. They're, they're really industrial bots, not And they bots. are specific to the park system, the Dallas Park yeah. stuff. The robots yeah. that are in everyday life are, are not the replicants. They are they are, they are robots. They are land, landmates and yeah. mechas and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I fucking yeah. couldn't even. Um, yeah. yeah, we had we made 300 before the Saudis backed out. Oh, we can make use of them. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> I hope you will. But I mean, from a design standpoint, they're they're making such great choices in the architecture that mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's an art and design center in like Spain that they're using as the Dallas headquarters. But what I Gaudi? love about it, <laughs> no, no, but but what I love about it is that the the affect of the architecture being half submerged and, and ribbed and the shape of it looks like a like a dead whale, and I think that that is so appropriate for Delos at this yeah. point, right? Yeah, rotting from the inside and doomed. Um, I uh, yeah, Bucky Domes. There's Bucky Domes everywhere, which I thought was really cool. That's '60s futurism right there. Um, I like the I like the private self-driving flying cars. Oh, those are great. Oh, I like yeah. And all of the how and how everything is uh is peer-to-peer share stuff. Like everything yeah, and, is rideshare. And and earlobe. Yeah. Activated right. I There's love phones. It's like yeah. Yeah, I love that no one has their own car. Or no one has their own device. You just call something and it comes, and and, it, it, and it will kill someone for you. Yeah, and you're and you're dependent upon your security and and you know that you that you know that it can't be compromised. And if it can compromise you, depending on how powerful you are, then it is yeah. what it is. I loved in the latest one when the cops that showed up, he looked at his Rico app and he's like, "Those aren't those guys are on the tape." <laughs> and I loved. I mean, that whole sequence was fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, it took the dirty cop thing to the next level. I absolutely loved it. But then, but that uh, to me that that was like kind of a direct uh, the throw shout out to Snow Crash. Yes, right when they have there's all a lot of Snow Crash out. actually in this. There is a lot of Snow Crash out there. If you strip, if you strip the what I still feel is um, knee jerk reactions to the Gibson esque cyberpunk out of Snow Crash, there's a lot of Snow Crash here. 
if you were to yeah. clean up the image of Snow Crash, there's a lot of it here in terms of the 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 nuance between the reality and the not and the and the real and 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 the jacking and the instant advertising. Yeah, it's really great. Instant advertising and the yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, she's jumping on a speeder bike all the time, right? Yeah. It's equal parts the, Akira and Snow Crash. It's, it's Snow Crash. Like, it I just mean, needs a hot nuke on the side of it, right? A hot <laughs> nuke in the sidecar. <laughs> well, the, the, and the, that's a that's a dog. That's a hybrid dog. Right? Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I think. Let's see. I think I love the Bernard. I love Bernard interrogating himself, as we talked about. I I love I what's tell- her- I just want Bernard to shit or get off the pot. I mean, that, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. No, me. I get like, it. It's like the concept of him doing that was cool. Um, yeah. I like the idea. And, and, that... and, they, and they, and they, I'm sorry. And they picked no. a great actor to fulfill that existential ennui that oh, will always amazing. piss people like me off. Like, he is great yeah. at playing yeah. that guy. Oh, yeah. I loved, um, I thought it was interesting when they came back to the Hemsworth brother that he tried to blow out the, he tried to hit the bomb in the back of the head that they were convinced they were told because he knew he was a host and so mm-hmm. he thought that if he blew it out it would it would destroy him and then either it wasn't there or there aren't any bombs because it really begs the right. question are there any bombs to no, I, I, hosts from leaving westworld no right we've never seen evidence of one we've never right. seen evidence of any right. of them right right it's the it's right. the it's the classic cyberpunk con- conceit of the poison right. The poison organ that they put in you that if you uh right count zero, right? If you fucking yeah. leave the company, we're gonna That's we're gonna it. pop the sack on you, right? Yeah. But I it, love that. But, it, but I just um and then Bernard, Bernard extending the Mopey Dopey team. Yeah. With like a core mission rewrite, like, okay, now now you have to really yeah, but, me and you have to come with me. Like, dude. Yeah, you, but at you, the same time, no, Hemsworth was hilarious in that. No, but that Hemsworth is really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh Chris Hemsworth is really good. Liam, I'm not so good. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the um, but I just like, dude, stop being such a fucking sad sack. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I wrote here that as much as I loved everything so far, my first honest to god jaw drop was the dress shift. Do you remember the dress shift? Yeah, when she came in and she just touched like this and it unfurled and changed yeah. as she walked. Yeah. That subtle like really high technology detail gave mm-hmm. you the sense of the futurism of it, but it was so subtle and it was so, uh, um, I don't know, anachronistic because it was about materiality. It was about affectation, but it was so, well, so sophisticated. But, but so the thing that resonated, the thing that really triggered me is that this is not unusual. This is as normal right. as changing socks. Yes. I, yes that's, yes. that's, that's it what a, I really resonated with. But it was a great example of how you use a little to say a lot. That they're walking yes. through an environment, they're in a dead tech bullshit modernistic space, and everyone looks kind of cool. Everything has this kind of clean futuristic look. But that's not substantially different from our world. But then it's little details like that that make you go, oh my gosh. You know? This, this, yes, this. Yes, I agree. These, that was really well. Yeah. yeah, these are the things. These are the things. I hope you mute. These are the things that make it uh, you know, give you that sense that we are really in the future. Because if you look at like the last hundred years of fashion, there are elements of a hundred years ago's fashion that you see in the clothing we wear today, because clothing doesn't evolve that much over time. But that was an example of a techn- technological detail that completely shot it forward in 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 terms of its technological sophistication, and that's what I loved. 
Um, let's see. What else? What else? Uh, oh, on the motorbike, I love the fact that... You remember how the big deal with Akira was that the bike had reverse? I loved... Uh, I love that the the bike that she stole here had these automated mirrors, right? That came up and down, and also that it stayed upright at all times, even when she got off of it. And then it would come, yeah. it would come and it come when she called called it and everything. I mean, you know. So my so my biggest issue with the motorbike is that um, it, Hobbs and Shaw did a better job of it. Well, that's true, but they, <laughs> we can't. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I know. <clears throat> we got some. Right? I mean, some, and it's some in competition elbow, so. in concept. Yes. Yeah, but the you know, black Superman. Yes. I mean, yeah. Oh, so the the, yeah. the the most garbage of the most garbage of movies with a, a few really great little details. You know what? Um, I, I'm as, as much as that movie got panned. I love Idris Elba in it. Yeah, and I actually love The Rock in it. I'm right, right, right. Them. Yeah, whatever. Right. He's a wet blanket. Right. But um. But so anyway. how was how was the scientist in you able to? Were you able to sit in your seat while they were doing the, the daisy chain of vehicles together, and then he was holding the one? <laughs> like, like the the, I, uh, the physics I, loss was just demonstrable. I, I had so many cocktails in me by that point; it's like pain and gain. That yes, had with each other. Yes. <laughs> so I have. So that at, at that point, I, I, I didn't care. I haven't seen the other uh, Fast and Furious, but I've seen the clip of the launching the uh, launching the Maserati or whatever it is from the one building to the other, and the physics defiance of that already was enough to establish what happens in this world that this is a superhero movie yeah. right just without costumes and i get it and at but least I'm they not, leaned into hobbs, it with the hobbs super and soldiers yeah I, yeah so you didn't see hobbs and shaw no uh i only saw the i saw the new one that you saw okay yeah 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 that's what i'm saying remember at the end when they're on the island yes. and they strung all, oh, no. the, all the vehicles together and then he held on with his hand and somehow like linked them all together yeah I, I, this may be my true indication of dotage and growing senility, but I really like Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> like every movie he's in, I'm like, ah, I can see it. You know where I'm at with him though, because there's been a lot of saturation. I like mm-hmm. humble him. I like when he's being funny. I'm I like him less when he's being uh, invincible guy. So, right. so I now, love him but, in Jumanji, right. for example. Right. Yeah, yeah. But in in Hobbs and Shaw, it's the same kind of thing to me because he's not mr invincible because he goes home and he gets kicked in the ass by his mama yeah, yeah mama sure. put all the guns away and gave him wood weapons and now he's got to go out and defeat yeah like superman yeah. with a sure yeah. sure yeah uh so where the hell were we on the <laughs> we, we were best world well we were about to talk about the complete sneak attack that somehow i had no idea was happening until she leaked it on her own instagram and i just happened to see right before watching it otherwise i would have been completely blindsided that palm clementoff from gardens of the galaxy was in this i had no idea and and, and like i literally saw her make a reference to westworld's coming out today and i'm like why would she care um like right before i sat down to watch the first episode and otherwise but i love missed it right yeah no i would have missed it but i would have been even more surprised you know what i'm saying yeah like i was now at least armed with like well I, she's involved somehow but if I had not known that and she just showed up in that scene, I just would have been like, what the fuck is even happening? Because I love her. Oh, she's awesome. Love her. Uh, her the exotic nature of, of the, the mix of features that she has was perfect mm-hmm. for this role, I thought. Um, also. Oh, just, um, the, while, while we're on character recognition and actor recognition, I just got to say, like, uh, Tessa. Yes. Yeah. 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 I know, I know, I know where you're going with this. 
and I can't wait. And I can't wait for the, the new Thor movie. But anyway, I'm gonna go from there. Yeah, when she's uh, when she's the uh, the queen of Asgard, right? And then right. and then we get Lady Thor with Natalie Portman, like Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman. How how much how cool was it that the uh, I love this reference. Did you notice that the paramedics couldn't do anything unless the system yes. diagnosed? And then he had to intervene and say, "Just do this." And they're like, "But it doesn't say." The system says he's got. Okay, she not She's got no she pulse. She, and no platelets. Yeah, and yeah. No, <laughs> no, no platelets, and the and the and the EKG or whatever was 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 zero, so we can't do anything. And he's like, "Well, just." I mean, I love that but as a no, reference. Yeah, but but I got I discussed. So that to me is the biggest flaw so far is that she gets shot in the hip, right? And she's really wounded, and she suddenly gets better with oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so to if if you're gonna, if I was going to cop to your fantasy within yeah. a fantasy or alternate reality, that would be it because it doesn't make any damn sense, right? It just doesn't. Mm. Except for, I'm not positive that the wound was the same throughout that whole sequence, because there's, be. there are sometimes when it looked like she had a belly shot, and there's sometimes it looked like she had a grazed shot, and I'm not positive that it was the same shot, but who knows. I could but, lead into but, that, but four hours after the event, not no, understanding no, I, of what it was, she's fine. There was certainly a hell of a lot of just instant repair on her that that was not yeah. consistent with how the hosts normally act. But again, I felt like there were oh. some there were some inconsistencies in her in those yes. sequences. That if you imagine that we're talking about two realities, yeah. that's could, a way of explaining. Yeah. But again, I leaned into this in Lost, and I was wrong. So, remember but, we had that scene yeah, yeah, where no. they looked up in the sky and the constellations were reversed, and I and I fucking leaned hard on that one. I'm like, they're in a oh, tesseract. No. They're in a tesseract. And, for God's sake. And, and the and the tattooing of the shark ear or whatever. Oh, yeah, the fuck. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but the other thing that was interesting is Tessa Thompson's character. She lives at right? 1050 Haley, Fremont, Haley? by the way. Yeah. But she was carving, yeah. But oh, she yeah. was carving herself up. She was cutting herself, right? yeah. yeah. Right, cutting herself, and then with that scene with the Lars, Armitage. Right, was, that, yeah, but Armitage was the character in Westworld that was doing body yeah. body harm and carving, carving. But there, but but there was a symbology Absolutely. that was consistent and conserved, and so I'm trying to figure out what that symbology is of well, those markings because it was a line in a circle. Yes, and it was a line yes. in the circle, and it was yes. like uh, so. Now I'm trying to rack my brain without cheating and going to the internet. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to rack my brain of where that was because yeah. I think that's important. I haven't seen that symbol before in the show. that yeah. I can tell, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, but it was consistent. It was very consistent. It was all over. Yeah, and it was symmetrical. Also, yeah. the other thing is, uh, um, they make references to that she is at war. Her pearl is at war with the native consciousness of the original form, which has no bearing in the logic of how this works. It shouldn't happen, which suggests, is there corruption in the pearl? Is there something about yeah. the experiences that is causing malfunction in the pearl? But if mm -hmm. that was simply a matter of error, then Dolores, who has pro proven herself to be capable of having hosts to be created she has yeah. those levels of just like Maeve she has those she has god levels of uh, of control she could go mm -hmm. and have her reprogrammed and she hasn't done that she has said yeah. specifically like you gotta get your shit together yeah so but, but uh, so here there's where I, here's where I went immediately with that is like uh, William 
is Agent Smith. Mm -hmm. And now he's a virus that's corrupting the pearl and he's threatening everything from within. And that, and it'll be interesting to see when they bring that character back. Because at least they, they... You mean old You mean old William. You mean Man in old Black. Old William. Old yeah. William. Old William. Man in Black yeah, William. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that now he is beyond the Matrix as well. And so now he's coming in and, uh, and being that disruptive force within all of the AI architectures. So... And, and some of those seemingly incoherent moves about stock pricing and takeovers and buyouts so it'll be really interesting to see how how well, it goes and and did you like that uh i i really love those details of like i want my old mommy back when the kid was like i want my old mommy back because you're not acting like her because you didn't you weren't hugging me the right way and you weren't doing things the right way i like that a lot i like those little nuances i, I do too and, and so to me that's why i still think it's petty because you're a dude and you're not a yeah female. but simply she but they've specifically said she specifically said, here, do you want me to tuck you in? And he's like, oh, okay. And then later you see that she says, oh, I tuck you, I tuck you in and then, I, and then I hug you and sing you the song. And mm-hmm. she didn't do that until she saw the video and then realized that's what she was supposed to do. Similarly, I love that she took the oh, but, but, so, I, but so, so to me, I think that could be a corrupted loop. I think yeah. that could be a perversion of memory that... Yeah, it anyway, could be. Yeah, yeah. And I love that she took the dog, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You wanted this, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so continuing with my theory that, that the, uh, the big, uh, but you know, if you're going to kill a pedophile, if you're going to kill a pedophile, might as well take his dog, take his dog. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what Pete, that, that, that's like a byline in PETA. Yes. The, if you, if you continue, my if you continue my theory that, uh, the old Testament named giant, uh, AI sphere is running a construct reality against the real reality and doing air air, air checking or whatever. Um, Do you think that Sirach is a real uh, human intelligence that has been staying off the grid and is trying to do the things, or is he a construct of... Because here's my thinking. He's been trying to get access to the parting of the curtain and the joining of the, into the cloud consciousness of all the of all the hosts right so is he actually the orb trying to get access to a chunk of data that it doesn't already have and so for some reason so, that's critically important to it so that's a really good question i have i have a couple of different perspectives on that one is that he could be an avatar of rehoboam mm-hmm. who's trying to access the devil's technology right. so then he can become a human or become a substantiated physical entity. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because I'm not convinced that he's actual. He could be completely theoretical. Yeah. And so I was thinking, so I was thinking that if, if we follow the logic that it's trying to create a perfect simulation and it's seeing the evol- it's seeing examples of humans evolving in a positive way that weren't part of its programming and it's checking against that and we've seen these examples in the show why would he want to go after all these hosts why would he want to go after the bulk of these hosts that did this thing and merge with the infinite well here's an example of hosts doing something that defies their programming and making a choice and having self-determinism self-determinism well anyway does he want to you know, does he want to see, get access to that data to see how an artificial intelligence comes to those same conclusions 
the way the humans are and compare them against each other. So the only way is, the only way I could think of is why he would care and why it would care and want to go after those hosts. Well, I, but, but I, I would say this comes down to a computational aberration, right? That he can't tolerate because it, it goes outside of prediction. Divergence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See that, and so yeah. and so back to the thing, if Chirac, whatever is the one monitoring for divergence you were this close to saying shiraz out. just now i know well, no, I, i'm not a shiraz <laughs> but <if> Shir- <laughs> anyway french dude <laughs> <laughs> so i love vincent cassell i fantasy cast him in like every other thing that we talk about so anytime he's I, I, no screen, i'm I sorry i always go I'll, I'll always go with hugo weaving yeah. okay yeah. mr simmons well anyway so that anyway, up, it's, that three, it's three episodes current. in. It's yeah. three episodes in. I cannot wait to see where they take it, and I'm so delighted that we have at least two more years of it. Well, think about—I mean, think about how much we've gotten out of three episodes. Yeah. There have been complaints on the internet that it's going slow, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so wait. We've gotten well, so okay. much world building in three episodes. Wait. So 50% of the United States voted for Trump. 50% yeah. did not. So you know, not 50. I'm, not 50%. I, Okay, 47, 50, yeah. but, but <laughs> it's still close to parody, one-to-one. Right. So I'm fine with people being idiots and not understanding it. They can just go fuck themselves and go away. All right. That's what I say on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Corona podcasting, we throw off the shackles and we have serious opinions about our the people who aren't uh, listening to it. No. No, but well, I mean, no, I think you're right. No, I, I think yeah. you're right. It, to me, there's a whole lot going on in a small package. And yeah, if, uh, if, yeah. if my mom called me up and said, Westworld is taking too slow to develop this season, I'm like, yeah, I love you, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she's my friend on Instagram. I'll tell her you said that. So, but I, well, I, will admit, that <laughs> I will admit that I'm much more interested in the potentially real world aspect of the story than the Westworld side of it. So, for example, the second episode that fo- focused on Maeve, yeah, had a lot of focus on Maeve trying to break out of her Groundhog Day simulation. I couldn't wait to get back to Aaron Paul's story. Oh, I yeah, I, I and think, it's more Aaron Paul I, than it is even Dolores. Like, I really want to yeah. just see him. I want to see Caleb. Well, I want to see what happens. And so, and so, and so here's a prediction with Caleb, right? Because he's like, okay, I'm dead either way. So no matter what I do, I'm drawn dead here. So it's really interesting to track his behavior over the next coming episodes based on that. I will leave you with one one final shot on the two versions of reality that we're seeing. I think that they are trying no. to broadcast. I think they're trying to broadcast to us that there are hosts in the real world that are also being experimented with. And I don't think it's real. But dig this. How interesting is it that Caleb has an Alzheimer's mom in the hospital who keeps saying, where's my son? Right. And you're not, you're not my son. You're not my son. Just like the boy said, you're, I miss my old mommy. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're Mm -hmm. broadcasting to us that those are hosts that have replaced those people. And I think it's, we're talking about divergence between the two realities. So you're talking about it's a inversion of the body, the invasion of the body snatchers. And then, Here's the way that we need to behave to not get detected. And you're fucking it up because now we're going to get detected by the big scary people. That's your hypothesis. No, but I like it. I like <laughs> what you said. 
All right, so that was our West. That was our West World to date. Um, so I have a question for you because we always like to talk about things that we are enjoying. Uh, so what is your, what are your, um, what are your sweet sweet recommendations, and then what are your planned plunderings? You have your rum fueled so, recommendations. Something that you're already <clears throat> into. So I'm gonna I'm gonna totally go diversion here. I'm really glad that I get to spend time with the family and cook lunch when I'm on two Zoom calls and doing all that. That's pretty great. Um, my plan plundering is, is that I still want to conquer Picard. The, yeah. I went through as an episode and a half, and it's I haven't like, seen any of it yet. It I got to tell you, man, it's like Geezer Borg. It's, um, <laughs> it is um it is not what i wanted it to be <laughs> yes yeah uh, but i, well, I really it's wanna, bad I, when it wraps up and the and the creators are like well th- so this is not kind of what i wanted to do <laughs> that's not a good then, talking point but then but then you have patrick Seward saying oh i can't wait for season two and they're already filming yeah 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 so maybe they'll go in the direction that people wanted it to go in the first place i don't know which is so, i have no idea yeah. So what else? So you have the uh, Picard, and then what else? Did you see Bird of Prey already? No, I'm going to see Bird of Prey as soon as it goes to rent instead of buy. Yeah, on yeah, me Comcast, too. right? Yeah. Um, and I'd really like to see um, the last season of Jessica Jones. I still yeah. have not. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I have not done All that right. yet. Um, in terms of reading. Um, the agency from Will Gibson is at the top of the list and about a third of the way through on that. And it is well worth the read, especially. In oh, really? Like yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, really. If only I had walked away with it. Had we only known that I'd never be able I, to come back to your house ever. I'm going to mail it to you. I think I'm going to disinfect it and send it to you. Um, I told you that dude, I got I, it on audiobook and then I tried to listen to it on my drive to Portland and I was, I got like three chapters in and I was like, Okay, this is not working because I had to keep pausing and re- going backwards, pausing and going backwards yeah, yeah. because I was missing. It was not an audiobook book for me. No, no, it's not an audiobook. It is. It is. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite book of his since Neuromancer. I I was really excited from what I heard, but you know what mm-hmm. I found interesting is I find I find Stevenson's stuff really sophisticated, but he doesn't use a lot of. Uh, exotic words necessarily he does sometimes but there's a certain prose he has anathem okay but remember you told me to stop reading anathem so i haven't read all of this stop but stop because yeah but what i'm saying though is what i'm saying though is there's a number of stevenson books that as audiobooks i was able to follow very very carefully very easily even while driving but with gibson there are things that the narrator is saying. There are words that they're saying that I can't visualize the word because he's using different languages. There's yeah, yeah. words coming from different languages. There's words that are being made up and whatever. And they're so they're so specific that I can't. I'm like, oh, I, I need to see that. And that's the kind of learner I am. Like even when I was studying Latin and French, I had to go back and I wanted to see the word in order to be able to learn the word. And so hearing yeah. it is bothering me. So that's what yeah, was so happening well, with me. Yeah, yeah. So, so, well, to me, it comes back down to the uh, existential binary system that is Stevenson and Gibson, because I, yes. they yes. are my two favorite authors, right? Yes, so, me too. Yeah. Um, Stevenson is much more cerebral. Yes. And and political, whereas Gibson is much more impactful. I agree. And, uh, and so well, the, that uh, yes, it, impactful 
more impactful except for when the latest Stevenson book was entirely poignant to being men of a certain age. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so, so wait. So you, you, you. Uh, I'm sorry, I miscommunicated. What I meant by impactful is that it engaged on a much more, much more visceral level. Yes, yes. Right. It's visceral. descriptive. It's descriptive. Right. 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 And well, I, it's so 70, Stevenson 70s. is more evocative. Stevenson's more evocative, and right. Gibson from day one. This is how I mean. When I was reading early, early Gibson, and then I started writing fiction, and I had my mom reading it, and she's like. Why do you have 18 characters and why do each of them have 32 pieces of clothing and affectation? And why is everything on the street described? And I'm like, well, because I've been listening to William Gibson and I've been reading yeah. William Gibson and that's what we do. So you just say, mom, it's science. It's science. Yes. It's science. It's physics. Just stop. Dodge or fall from hell. I mean, fall. Fall uh, or dodge in hell. Dodge, fall or dodge in hell. Fall or dodge in hell. Right on the heels of Seven Eves was so like Seven Eves. Yeah, well, those was a one-two punch in uh, struggling with mortality when you're in your forties and late forties, early fifties between the two of us. Uh, I say, I say, fifties, sixties. Come on. No, okay, the, uh, but I'm saying, you know, those those two books was a whole lot of like, huh. <laughs> But so I got a limited time, a different, right? But but we have a different we have a different feedback loop with that, right? Because they are of our age. I mean, Neil is comparable yeah. to our age. Like, yeah, Dave right. Eggers is of our yeah. age. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Gibson is, I think he's post-human, to be frank. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, do you remember when? I don't know if you were plugged into this, and I, and I really wish you could have been there that night because it was uh, seeing seeing him in person was uh, really yeah. quite extraordinary. And hearing about him ripping on uh, the, the 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 elder gods of science fiction sounds fucking amazing. But I don't, you... I, don't, I, I don't think you could be a good sci fi writer if you're hooked on meth. But what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember when Gibson was doing research for Agency, and. <laughs> I responded, not that it mattered because a lot of people did. So you, just, you knew you knew he was here because I I was totally oblivious to it. Like, no, and, no, no. I when he did his reading, and we were going to be gone, or I was going to be gone, and yeah. I couldn't do it because I was doing that show. Um, I didn't know he was coming to the city, but I knew agency was San Francisco back from when he was first writing it before he stopped and had to rewrite it. And at the time, it was when I had first kind of gotten back onto Twitter, and he was doing a lot of. He, he just sends questions out to get people's opinions on things. And he was asking for things like how certain words in San Francisco are pronounced. In other words, like is Muni M U N I or is it Muni? Right. And yeah. you know, some other things. And so he was asking about things like, and one of the ones I responded to was he was saying, if you're going to get off at the 24 at 24th street station, do you say <laughs> I'm getting off at 24th street station or what do you say? And I remember writing in saying, no, you, you're getting off at 24th. Right, you wouldn't yeah. say station or whatever; you say twenty fourth, right? No, like just say I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of here because it's so well, disgusting. yeah. But, but it was like, and a lot of people responded. But I remember at the time he was yeah. doing that kind of research, and I remember thinking, you know, as a writer, when you're trying to write, and I do that really superficial thing in my in my uh, role playing mm -hmm. game stuff, where I'm writing characters that are in all of these weird places in the world, and I just do some googling and decide what my version of that is. But I know how hard that is because every time I'm like, for example writing a character that is 
in a certain place and is escaping to another place and has to deal with a certain people. And I'm Googling all through that, trying to figure out who those people are and what they might say and everything else. And I'm barely scratching the surface thinking about what he was, the nuance of what he was asking about trying to get it to be seen. He wanted it to sound real to a person who lived in the Bay area, which is a very specific thing. And I love that. I love that. So, so what was interesting that I got from the reading, as opposed to the other reading, I saw in Seattle way back. Um, (laughs) As opposed to Neil Stevenson, William Gibson doesn't know the technology at all. Right. Right. right at all like right. he knows he knows the syntax he knows the interaction he knows the human element of it but he does not will not and cares not to understand the fundamental science and technology behind it right because right. it's really not important to him no the, it's not it's because it's not because he's not writing about technology he's writing about right. humans the fact that he was a prodigy that's why i think he's so cavalier about cyberpunk the fact that he was a prodigy about so many things in our world that came about mm-hmm. to him is like happy accident. He's like, well, I just yeah. was writing about things I thought was interesting. And no, no. But, but, but the, during the, re- during the reading, he, he brought up that uh, the fact that uh, the bomber jacket that he wrote out right now was like a top seller in some clothing store. I don't know who it was. And he never wore it. He never saw it. He never designed it. Yeah. He just wrote about it. And suddenly it becomes real. Like right. now, this is William Gibson's favorite bomber jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you, what? Like, uh, yeah. but that that was some remarkable insight into him. Like, and he says, if you're the smartest one in the room, you need to find a different room. Uh huh. That's a really good, that's really funny. That's really funny. I feel like if I remember right, as far as I got into agency, the one part where I remember feeling like he misstepped was I feel like she referenced taking the Bart instead of Bart. That, yeah, but I mean, come right? on. I mean, really? I mean, like compared to Dean Koontz? I mean, the, well, of, I don't uh, I don't compare anybody to Dean Koontz. And also, but that's the kind of thing that if I was here and someone said, I'm going to go take the Bart, I'd be like, the Russians. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's a Russian. <laughs> or or at least you're from Walnut Creek. Yes. <laughs> See, well, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I need to, I need to read a physical copy. I stopped on the audio because I was like, I'm not doing it justice. Dude, At first I was like, I'm going to read the, I was like, I'm going to read, I'm going to listen to it and then I'll go back and read it. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm not enjoying listening because I'm not, I'm not able to focus enough. Well, but as a user, you have to define the best experience for you. That's right. Yeah. I love audiobooks that I can listen to in the, in the, in the car or on the bike. I love it. But this is definitely an example of where this is not. Oh, yeah. You're, you're one on me. I, I mean, I, I think I recommended you to you audiobooks, did. right? You yeah. did. <laughs> and I, I, often, biggest... I often reference that. <laughs> and I am the biggest failing of it. Like, I, I have. Carrie Ann's really good about it. She, she does audiobooks and, does, and loves them, podcasts. And I just, I, I don't know. I have some barrier in my brain. Audiobooks are. Uh are what allowed me to get through some of the Star Star Wars stuff because it's so badly written. It's young adult and it's really badly written. But like I've had some Star Wars audiobooks, so depending on my context, if I'm like I'm dealing with traffic and it's gonna be or I'm gonna be somewhat distracted, I could put the Star Wars one on because it's not gonna matter. Right? Yeah. But I would it's save more- the but I would save the Steve I would save the Stevenson for when I really wanted to 
get into the zone, like driving up to Portland. It was perfect for Stevenson. Yeah. yeah anyway, so okay. you've got Picard, Bird of Prey, Jessica Jones, and the Agency. And how about you? Plundering. Okay, so... Um, well, let's see. So going back to Rumfield recommendations, did you have any recommendations on anything you're currently... Or you currently or have recently enjoyed? Oh, enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> no, the only it's thing that's really a, a new embarkation. Implicit in recommendation is yeah. enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. Well, but rum-filled. <laughs> <laughs> it could be find a bathroom. I love the... Like Fair. The Fair. Um, No, I mean, sorry, I, I did. You can cut that pause out. I'm trying to. My chance. Um, I'm I'm really trying to like Picard. That's that's why I'm yeah. really trying to resuscitate the winds in my sails. Um, but it's really difficult. I understand. <laughs> well, and I would I would say I would put agency on your list too because you're, you know. Oh no, well, they had, I think agency was in. on my list three months ago. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, so for me, uh, oh, and, about... and I'm sorry, oh. my Rumfield recommendations: the Law and Order Marathon on on WE on Xfinity. Yeah, doing every episode for like uh, ten years upcoming. <laughs> right, Doris I, I and I were I just, big I... Law and Order people for years and years. No, I remember it was on A and E at like yeah. um, midnight until four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that was my happy time. Like I would just zone but out. But the problem is that they would A and E would put them in, in in random order, so you would get episodes from different. I'm okay with that. I don't care. Yeah, but 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 to do a marathon, they're going to put them all in sequence. With, which no, is they don't. Fun different. They're not. No, 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 oh, no, no. That's not no, a marathon. No. no, it's 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 we're doing a crapshoot oh. and. And we're going to fuck with you even more than that. We're going to do Law and Order for like six hours, and they're going to do Law and Order SVU and, and then Criminal Law Intent. Order, Criminal Intent, yeah. And just boom. Oh, and then the other big news is um, Christopher Maloney is coming back on another Law and Order spinoff. No. Yes. No way. Yes. He flamed yes. out. No, he's coming back. Flame on. Huh. Huh. Law and Order Social Services. Law and Order Geriatric. Yes. So what have I been doing? So like uh, I've been continually having very little time to catch up on things that I want. So my queue is ever long, ever elongating. Um, but I've been slowly whittling away at some of the things that I've been trying to get to. I recently watched the first season of Altered Carbon. And if you recall, some time ago, probably about a year ago, I tried to watch the first episode and I was really turned off by it. Yeah, I was and, like, this and, is bargain basement cyberpunk. It's badly miscast. It was boring as hell. And I was and, and if I recall, Chris and I really liked it. Yes. And uh and have yeah, seen and season you told, two. Yeah, you yeah. told me to keep going, so I did, and then I got engaged in it, and I still think I mean it's you know, it's trading heavily on a lot of Blade Runner imagery and some other stuff. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the big it doesn't have the oomph behind the themes it's trying for. It's still much pulpier than the bigger picture stuff that's really powerful. But when you allow it to be what it is, and it's not trying to be more than it is, I think it's been really fun. And it, to me, the standout has been Poe. Poe and the... And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly in season one where he still has the uh, still has the hotel. I mean, to me, that was just <laughs> like... I just, I just wanted people to piss him off repeatedly in the hotel lobby, right? Um, yeah. 
And uh, right. And and uh, I've seen the first episode of season two. And once again, I watched mm-hmm. that first episode and I was really turned off by it. Even though I like the actor, I was like, I can't. I'm just it's retreading. And I don't know if I I'm, I'm happy with this or whatever. And then I, I read online that it's just great and uh, covers all new ground. And it's this like reinvents itself. And so I'm definitely going to continue. I just haven't gotten there yet. But um, but anyway, yeah. G- g- yeah, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've started that I was waiting on for a long time, um, and in fact, on this podcast, I several times accused it of being Henry Cavill in cosplay, but I started The Witcher. Did you get through that? Yeah, I got through all of it. I got through okay. all of it. I... So I just finished yeah. episode six, which is when he finally meets up with Yennefer, yeah. and they have their thing. Um, I figured out, I'm happy to say that I figured out that there was some wackadoo time shunting going on before... You know, before too long. But then again, well, I mean, it was sneaky at first. And you're like, wait, what's happening and stuff. But by the time they started showing obvious things, then I was yeah. like, okay. But I, but again, so you, I, I'm only at six, so I don't know. There sorry, could be are, you, are, are you on the dragon hunt yet or not? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got a long ways to go before you reach ridiculous time shit. Okay. But I mean, I, I think this is Cavill's best work. Like I really actually like what he's doing in this. I know, I know, which is really, really sad because yes, it is. <laughs> but I mean, like he's, I, I just, I guess I'm just really enjoying this character. I like the grunting and this, <clears throat> you know, this sort of sourpuss that he is and whatever. And I don't know, I just, so, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yes, you know why? I'm and his bar it? and his bard is amazing. Yes. So we finally found a role that Henry Cable is uniquely suited to execute on. Yes. So we found Runty cheesecake, that, right? Which is, I think, pretty Henry. I, I, yeah. I, if we if we hung out with Henry, like to go to a steak shop, yeah, he would be that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Previously, he had to he had to tighten it. He had to suck yeah. in his grunts and just do that weird little con- <clears throat> that condescending sad face that he does. Yeah. But now, yes. But now, exactly that. <laughs> but now, so previously there were there were two Henry Cavills. There was the exhausted and resigned melancholy Henry Cavill like the bomb blew off in Congress and he doesn't even stop to see if anyone's hurt he just flies away Henry Cavill and then there was but the but, but, uh, so, so you're talking about his early years even through uh, what was that show before um, well I'm referring to Superman uh, or Justice League where oh, no, they no, blew up I, they blew up Congress and he just walked away yeah you can go back and um... but remember it it, like it yeah. blew up around him, and then he had the sad face, like <sighs> the sigh. Yes, right. That was the Superman we got. Was Henry Cavill, uh, Uncle Man from Uncle? I liked at the time. I do oh, still like it. Fuck's sake! Oh come on. Maybe that was the Vikander aspect of it, but I did like it. Yeah, it was old timey, but um, but uh, yes, he was on um, <clears throat> he was on uh, not Royals. Uh, it was um, no, it was like the Tudors. Henry, the tutors, right. the tutors, right? When he was yeah. pre-test, pre-steroids, right? When he was tall, but he wasn't bulky. No, no. But but he just looked like some hippy dippy emo dude. Yeah, yeah, with a beard, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But up until now, my favorite Henry Cavill was him uh, uh, cocking and reloading his arms in Mission Impossible, right? <laughs> no, But remember, he was like. Huh, huh. That's still my favorite role from him because he was yeah. such a, a typical douchebag CIA agent yeah. that you know that's exactly what you're getting in real life. 
he's going to get his face torn off, and you did. Uh, but I mean, I'd really like it, Witcher, and, and even though I, the Witcher I think, is good, I think it wants to have the pathos of Game of Thrones, but it has, doesn't earn it. So with like episode two, you have a massive battle sequence and everybody's dying on the field and it's all this gruesome stuff and she's fighting her way through. And you're like, I don't care about any of these people. It didn't have the urgency that Game of Thrones had because you didn't have time to to uh, grow with those characters, but it's fine. It's well, a monster no, hunting I, show. Hey, but The Witcher, to me, it already establishes that everybody else around him is expendable. Like that, like uh, the, yeah. and and that's that's who he is, and petty, right? right. And it's all like petty, like oh, you're gonna die. Well, hey, give me yeah. your money. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So to me, like everybody else on the on the series, I want my coin, right? I want my coin. I want my beer. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it is an enjoyable escape. Yeah. Like I think uh, I think the escape. thing I'm enjoying the most about it. Yeah, being an old D&D guy, right? So, I, of course, I enjoy him attacking monsters and getting coin. Classic D&D. But what I'm also enjoying is that they unfold. It's a little bit uh, mercurial at first, and they're slowly unfolding this this uh, the world-building concept of how the, yeah, the yeah, structure yeah, yeah. of the mages and what their role is in society and the their factions <laughs> and stuff. I like that they didn't explain it right away, and you have to ease into it. That it's yeah, confusing it's at first. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gone from C.S. Lewis to Shannara. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, that's, that, fair. Yeah, that <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah. So Altered Carbon and Witcher. And then, of course, um, the, the, you know, the current Clone Wars final season I'm still enjoying. It's a show that you might check out at some point. Oh, well, uh, and when the fuck are the new mutants going to come out straight to video? God damn it. <laughs> So for plan for plan plundering, I'm waiting for Onward to go to rental so I can watch it. Okay. Be sad. I want to be sad. Uh, Bird of Prey, I'm waiting for, which is again one that I was like, "Wow, oh, we don't need this movie." And now I'm like, "All right, fine, we'll see this movie." Uh, yeah, and then I'll, I'll see Bird of Prey when it's five ninety nine. Sure, uh, I want it when it's a whole <laughs> lot of yeah, yeah, free. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, five ninety nine. Um, let's see what else. And so, what's the next one? I want to get back onto Ozark. So, have you seen season two? Only season, only part of season one. So, I need to really. Dude, start from the what beginning. the fuck, dude? You got to get on that. That is a serious character flaw. I understand. And uh... <laughs> and El and El Camino. Oh, and... but maybe you should watch Breaking Bad before El Camino. Sure. Uh, uh, I'm I'm looking at seeing if I can get started on Bosch. Oh, and uh, uh-huh. go ahead. Oh yeah, and then finally Rectify. I want to get started on Rectify. Okay, what's that? That was a DC. That was a DC to AC wave. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Did you see Rectify? No, I have not. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay, that's it's it's noir, right? It's noir. So that's the thing that happened. All right, so we've gotten to the point in the podcast where you're doing uh, gang signs to me, science gang signs. I'm doing sine waves. Yes, dude. Yes. I so 1917. I can't wait to see 1917. I'm scared of it, but at the same time, I will watch it. But yeah. I'm scared. Have of you it. seen Midsommar? Uh, I'm scared of it. You should be. That movie fucked me up for like a month. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't see um, Suspiria, but I saw clips of it, and I listened to the soundtrack a lot, and I'm scared. I saw clips of her causing the dancer to get all mangled, and yeah. uh, and then I listened to the soundtrack, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's that's enough. No, yeah, Midsommar, it, it, I mean, it is a visual masterpiece, but damn. So, yeah. Anything. I'm scared of cults, though. Mm. Like, when I, when I rewatch uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm just going to cut out all the cult stuff. Dude, we got to do a review of Once Upon a Time, because I really love that movie. Yeah, me too. And my wife really loved it, too. I was kind of surprised. Given, well, Brad given how shirtless got... Well, that oh, helps. Bro. Yeah. No, Brad Pitt shirtless at 65 with a body better than 20-year-olds. Yeah, sure, whatever. sure, sure. And yeah. then uh, uh, introducing the um, the the psychology of putting the nails in the mouth while he's climbing the hand, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Best supporting time. rod. I mean, actor. I see. Well, and also, we were predisposed <laughs> to love it because he's driving around in old Carmen Ghia, right? The whole time. We're like, hey. Exactly. exactly. We want that. Uh, that's interesting that... Um, yeah, that you pointed out that he's sixty-five because he's, he's not got, sixty-five. He's like he's like fifty-eight. Whatever, but he's got. Yeah. I've got double his mass, <laughs> and, and, and 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 half his height. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's see what's happening. I'm gonna go take my pickaxe and go climb back into the mountain. <laughs> Dig a tunnel down, down to Goblin Town. Well, yeah. on that note, uh, it's been another fantastic <laughs> podcasting experience. Uh, you, you basically told me to uh, to uh, Dude, go fuck myself in an old timey no. fantasy way. Look, look, I'm I'm a hobgoblin locked in a tr- <laughs> like in a like a tree and orc body. So I am not judging you for anything like that. I'm just I commiserating. Was just, I was just imagining which Witcher, which Witcher, which Witcher monster we are. So. Which witcher oh, monster are you? No, I'd be the drunk barkeep. Okay. Extorting, like, I'd just be drunk barkeep. That'd, that'd be all I would be. I really related to the mayor in this <laughs> recent episode that I saw where he was he was entranced by Yennefer's, uh, her, her orgy, her orgy magic. And no, no, when, it's not. When no, he sh- it, it, wait, no, it's arcane skills. Okay, arcane skills. And uh, when they showed up, and they're like, "You're the mayor," and he's walking around naked, and he's like, Ugh, and he falls asleep <laughs> because I I may or may not come you, out of the hot I, I may or may not come out of the hot tub and wander the house that way. So, out of all the characters in the pantheon of that show, that's the one that resonated with you. The, the, <laughs> I'm not saying it resonated. I'm saying that it probably looked the most like me. Right? <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> good times. Good times. Good times. Good good fun. Pand, pand, pandemic pandemonium for you and me mm-hmm. so uh when next we talk hopefully we'll get further into uh westworld and then also yeah we got to talk about uh once upon a time in hollywood because that was the last movie i think that i saw in theaters Dude, that, that was that was a great movie um i still think about playing, it we should we, we may also want to do like real-time episode feedback on expanse i think so or Picard, well, we, we can do it. Or, yeah. or, or Picard, because I tell you, I'm really conflicted about Picard, and I'd like your yeah. input on it. Yeah. Because I, uh, so we went to Palm Springs like 15 years ago, and they okay. uh, they had this uh, Palm Springs Follies, which is all these retired burlesque dancers and strippers and everything coming out and doing shows like in their 70s, doing all the old music, and 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 reliving their heyday. Wow, Picard. Picard to be tastes, feels, and smells a lot like that. It is just not good. It's interesting that you say that because the biggest criticism I had <clears> of those <throat> terrible movies that we had to suffer through was that they trotted out the original 
Star Trek yeah. cast, and they were just a bunch of you know senior citizens standing around smiling about the good old days, and waiting then, for their government then, cheese. Yeah, and then, and then having inf- <laughs> and then having these these unceremonious deaths like falling under a gantry, uh, and then now we're we're getting we're getting that version. <laughs> Remember that? Oh my god. No, I remember. Like, oh my god, he's been killed by a spoon. <laughs> I just and then when they said that they were gonna do a Picard show, and I was like, well, this is gonna suck in all these different ways, unless there's some really cool, edgy subtext to why they do this. And as soon as in the like the weeks leading up to its release, and they started showing also including all of the next generation cast, I was like, Oh fuck no. No, and it's so, like some Romulan. It's like some Romulan sob story. It's just really pathetic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I read. I read a little bit about it. You know, um, I stumbled across and, an image on and, Twitter. And... What? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I stumbled across an image on Twitter that was a, or or Instagram or something, and it was, uh, it was one of the. Oh, it was from Will Will Wheaton, who I follow, and he's like, you know, in these kinds of times, having. Man. Having a having a you know, fit you know the family the family uh, group group chat you know can be reaffirming when you're in quarantine and it was like a Brady Bunch grid and it was like all of the it was a group chat and it was all of these it was like a next gen uh, reunion chat that they were having right yeah and he had done a screen capture of it and as I was scrolling past I was like ah oh, someone's all of someone's extended grandparents and family whatever and then I look closely I'm like oh. That's not an eighty-seven-year-old grandma. That's Marina Sirtis, you know, and like, <laughs> I had that moment. You know, you ever have that moment where I'm sure we talked about it before, <laughs> where you see some actor that you liked and they're and they're old and they're sagging and they're barely hanging on and things are all wrong, and you're like, oh, what happened to them? And then you're like, oh, they're my age. I just realized. No, like, no I, I, <laughs> what happened to me? First, yeah, so that's my first response. What happened to me? Like, yeah, but so that's that's the kind of the feeling I get about this Picard show. Yeah, I see. It's aged badly, but so have we. So I don't know. No, it's um, but so here's the, here's my dilemma, right? Because Patrick Stewart is a genius actor. Yes. And you take a look, and you take a look at Logan, <clears throat> right? With Professor. Oh, X. that was amazing. Right, and and okay, if you're going to go into gerontology or us, and yes. and do some kind of solipsistic smash mouth bullshit kind of, oh, I'm great. That would have been it, but it wasn't. And um, I think that there's no one around Patrick Stewart. And so hmm. Jonathan Frakes is directing most of the episodes, mm-hmm. right? His number one, who yeah. I think I think happens to be like a bull weevil now in Picard. <laughs> <clears throat> so <laughs> um, he did a lot of he did a lot of the uh, he did some of the movies and he did a lot of the next generation stuff too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I'm hoping that it gets better. But as of episode two point three, yeah. <laughs> so do, do you remember that show from the '90s or something where uh, Frakes would introduce? It was like a not a believe. It was like a believe it or not kind of show, and he would come out yes. and he'd be like, "Do you ever?" It was like, uh, it was like Griffith's Believe It or Not, yeah, but with yeah. Riker. It was Riker's yeah. Believe It or Not, yeah, and he would come out and be like, you know, do you ever? I don't know if I sent it to you or if you've seen it, but someone recently did a comp- compilation of all of the intros to that show, and it said uh, it was a uh, life, uh, life in life in uh, in quarantine with a four year old. 
<laughs> it was just this long string of him going like, have you ever ridden a mountain bike? Do you remember the tallest uh, man you've ever seen? Have you ever so walked me, under a ladder? Yeah, see, to me, it's like an airplane. Yeah. So, do you like to watch Gladiator movies? <laughs> yeah. Have you, ever, <clears throat> have you seen a grown man naked in a shower? Yeah. Did the dog but, ever come up and hump your leg? <laughs> but what's great about that video was it worked perfectly as the as as stated what it's like to be at home with a four-year-old because it was perfect how it was all strung together but then the best yeah. one was a week later someone posted the same video but they slowed it down and said if you slow him down he's that drunk guy that's out front of the restaurant that you can't quite get away from it he's like you ever do you remember the tallest guy you've ever seen <laughs> and it's like it's so damn good it's so damn good <laughs> So I'll send that to you, and then you will enjoy it. That's my plan, plundering for the week. Yeah, okay. All right, man. Well, listen. Keep yourself well scrubbed. Bathe, bathe in antibiotica. Put gloves on your head and gloves on your feet. Remember. Keep reaching for the stars. Yes. Remember, fear is no longer the enemy. It's the way of life. <laughs> it's no longer abnormal. It's normal. Yes. Yes, I wish snake oids was, was the problem that we faced, but there you go. Yeah. Anyway, it was good to talk Qua- to you. We'll, Qua- we'll do it again. Quaaludes, Quaaludes, where are you now? Quaaludes, where are you now? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Got to cut the barbs with something. <laughs> <laughs>